It's the Mixed Martial Arts Hour with... The Mixed Martial Arts Hour back in your life on this Monday, October 26, 2015. Hello again, everyone. I'm Ariel Halwani inside our New York City studio. Uh, that is not the right music, and the music is gone. Good start. Uh, it is great to be here. Uh, be here with you on this uh, Monday afternoon. We've got uh, a good show planned. Following, what happened to my music? I, I need that. I need that to start the show. Uh, I guess it's gone forever. Um, well, UFC Dublin was this past weekend, and there it's back. A little loud. Okay. Uh, UFC Dublin back. Uh, this weekend, and uh, you know, it was a show that was hit by a whole bunch of injuries and whatnot. But it ended up being rather entertaining. The main event was very entertaining. Luis Smolka with a big win over Patty Hulhan. So of course, we will talk about that. Fortunately, Joseph Duffy uh, was unable to fight, suffered a concussion a week before the fight. Tried to get him on the show. Apparently, he has some kind of exclusive with an outlet in Ireland, I believe. So we'll hear from him at a later date. And uh, this show's kind of gone up in the air a little bit today, but we'll figure it out. Here's what's happening today. Uh, at around 325, we're going to be joined by Dustin Poirier. He was supposed to fight in the main event. We'll talk about what's next for him. Ben Rothwell became sort of the, uh, the hero of this event. He was supposed to fight in the co-main event and showed up there with no opponent and just became a huge fan favorite. And it was pretty cool to see Ben really embraces the fans very well, so uh, we'll talk to him about his experience. He's still in Ireland, believe it or not. Uh, 2.45, we'll talk to Patrick Cummins. He has a big fight coming up on November 7th against Glover Teixeira. Uh, we were supposed to be joined by John Cavanaugh at 2.25, but he can't make it anymore, so we'll figure that out a little later on. Uh, Alexander Gustafson is going to join us at around 1.45. Oh, we were supposed to be joined by Vitor Belfort at 2.05, but at around... 11. Uh, here's the short story there. Let me get this off my chest now. Um, I booked Vitor on the show on Wednesday. All was good. Yep, 2.05 on Monday. All good. No problems. No questions asked. Very happy to have him on. He's fighting Dan Henderson on November 7th. Uh, usually on Sunday, I reach out to all the people who are booked on the show on Monday to make sure that they remember that you know the show's coming up and uh, just give them a quick reminder uh, I did not hear back from Vitor's wife, who's the person I, I booked Vitor uh, through. She's always very good to deal with. Uh, so I didn't hear back, but that's, you know, that's not, that's not uh, uncommon. That happens sometimes. Uh, so right before I got into the studio today at 11, I texted her again just saying, hey, uh, a reminder, we'll call you at 2.05. Uh, Uriah Faber likes to make fun of me checking in too many times, but uh, she, she wrote back and said, uh, I, I hope that this interview is going to be 100% about, I don't know how, how, why, why don't I just read the text, because I think that, uh, I think it's valuable. Um, give me a second. Here it is. Uh, just to make sure, he will be talking only in all caps, regarding his upcoming fight, right? Uh, and I said, you know, I'm always fair and considerate. Uh, there are certain things about this upcoming fight specifically that are going to be asked, not about this uh, upcoming fight that are going to be asked, but uh, in the end, it'll all tie back to the fight. Does that sound good? Can you send me the question, she says. I thought the interview was based on his next fight. 
We never said that. But again, you know, you're, you're, you're promoting a fight. I get that. But it doesn't mean you have to solely. I mean, Chris Weidman was on the show last week. We didn't solely talk about Luke Rockhold. Anyways, uh, I said I don't write my questions in advance. I never have. But I give you my word. I will be fair. Uh, I hope that uh, that means something to you guys. And, uh, you know, I wanted Vitoran to help promote his fight. And uh, I, I will not be causing any harm. Uh, okay, please know, she writes, Deadspin. Uh, I'm not sure about the name. Uh, no Deadspin uh, questions, TRT, or any past TRT results. Uh, Vitor is giving you his valuable time. I believe we can count on you. Uh, and then I wrote back, you know, this is his first interview, I believe, since that story came out by Josh Gross. Uh, so if it's not addressed in any small capacity, it will make not only him but me look very bad. Uh, so, you know, I said, I don't want to harp on this, but I feel like it needs to be addressed. Uh, she said, if Vitor had anything to say, he would have said it already. You asked me when the website released any info, and we didn't give you a word. I'm sorry, Ariel, but if you're going to ask about that, unfortunately, Vitor won't be able to talk to you. Uh, it is totally different if you ask him in a press conference, but since he's giving you a direct interview, I don't want him to talk about it. And then I wrote back, you know, I think that this is actually better than a press conference because it's one-on-one, -on -one and, uh, you know, we've had uh, a relationship in the past. Um, and uh, I said, I spoke to you about this last week, and you never mentioned anything like that, you know. Uh, I, I didn't think that this would be a problem. Uh, anyway, I'm sorry, Ariel. We can schedule for tomorrow when he is going to have a media day with UFC. I thought I could count on you as you could always count on us. And I don't even know what that means. I'm not the one who backed out from the interview. I'm not the one who put any stipulations on the interview. So I'm not sure I understood that last line or appreciated it. Nevertheless, he's not going to be on the show. And uh, I'm curious. Uh, you know, I, I, I talked about this story already. I don't think that it's, you know, the biggest deal. I think it's something worth addressing. I wasn't going to spend 20 minutes on it, but, you know, if if uh, if he doesn't want to talk about it, as I told Eric Apple, that's fine. Just tell me on Wednesday, not after I promote it. And then I just wanted to book them. Anyway, we'll talk about it later. Uh, Alexander Gustafson, 145. Malki Kawa, 125. And we're going to be joined by Peter Carroll of Severe MMA and the... Uh, What's the name of that website, the, the, that paper that he's a part of? Uh, the Irish Mirror. But first, let me remind you that the MMA Hour is brought to you by Assassin's Creed Syndicate. There's the video game right over there. We appreciate their time. All right, and their support, of course. Uh, let me go to the Skype machine and welcome in Peter Carroll. Peter, how are you, my friend? I'm good. How are you, Ariel? Good to talk to you again, man. It, it is on you to, to put me in a better mood, all right? Okay, okay. I'll do it. Um, compare Dublin on Saturday to uh, last July. How did it stack up? Straight away, I think you have to say that you can't actually compare them to events. I think last July is going to stand on its own forever, okay? As far as events that have been to afterwards, I think that was absolutely fantastic on Saturday. But I think the problem with it is that it's always going to be compared to McGregor v. Brandao and that night was absolutely magical. I, I think a few factors like that will, will never happen again. The unbeaten streak, the Irish went on that night. And, and, of course, McGregor, it's like the last time we're probably ever going to see him in one of these, well, for a few years, in one of these small arenas, you know, in the first round knockout over Brandao. This, this last weekend's cards, you know, had a, had a few casualties on the way in. And a lot of people were worried about it before it actually happened. But then when the event went down, I thought it was unbelievable. I thought that the crowd really got behind everyone, apart from, obviously, the, uh, the four or five bottles that were thrown in at the end and the, the tennis ball that actually hurt a photographer. That was... That could have really marred the night had it not been so amazing in the air, earlier on. I, I thought it was fantastic, some of the scenes that we saw. Well, what happened there? I didn't hear about that. Um, just, like, it was actually, it was pretty, uh, 
pretty spectacular. Just just as um, Louis Smoker finished the fight, a dead silence that descended on the arena after these massive roars that were just happened seconds before. It just went completely silent. And then four or five plastic pint glasses or bottles were thrown in. And then a tennis ball was thrown in. I don't oh. know where, how someone got a tennis ball in, but it hit a, a cameraman and he, he actually suffered a, a kind of a cut to his face. Whoa. But um, that that was kind of, you know, we were really disappointed with that because at Bama, which happened in September, there was a few bottles thrown in at the end. And, and all the Irish media were quick to point out that, you know, that wasn't Irish fans. That was... That was the guys that came over to support another fighter, another international fighter. But, you know, it had to be the Irish guys and how upset they were over the the, the decision of that. I mean, the way the, the main event went. But I thought the main event was absolutely brilliant to watch. I loved it. You know, when when someone pulls out of a fight the week of, it's not a huge blow right now for the UFC and the promotion in general because all the tickets are sold. Now, they did offer refunds. But from what I understand, there weren't that many. And people have already invested, you know, time, plans, money, all that stuff. So it's, I think, very rare they're going to pull out. I'm curious what happens the next time the UFC plans an event in Dublin. Are people now going to be slower to buy the tickets because of what happened to this card? Did you get that impression? Yeah, yeah, I certainly did. And a lot of people seem to think that because we had them two late pullouts that the UFC are going to come back with a monstrous card yeah. the next time. I mean, the fact that the place was still sold out. Uh, you know, well, they haven't. I don't know if they released the official numbers yet. They didn't have them at the press conference, but it was ba- it was pretty much sold out from what I could see. And I think the fact that you know we have, uh, you know, the, there was a sold out stadium despite the two the two main fights on the card going missing. I don't think that really uh, that would warrant the UFC having to come back with a with a monstrous card unless it was something like Crow Park or something, which we, we still know is fairly elusive. How did people feel about uh, Dustin not taking a replacement fight? You know, a lot of people were, were quick to criticize him. Um, but, you know, we can understand the situation he was in to a certain extent. You know, he was offered Norman Park, and Norman Park said himself, you know, he said, you know, he's coming off two losses. You know, he is a, like, the, the fight with Poirier, you know, it, it maybe it doesn't make sense for Dustin Poirier. He was just at, uh, entered the rankings there at, um, at lightweight. Yeah, I know Joseph Duffy wasn't in the rankings, but he certainly had a lot more momentum going into that fight than, than Norman did. But, um, you know, I think a few people did criticise that. But, um, <clears throat> you know, it, it is what it is. Um, I think Dustin's into the last fight in his contract as well, so it's a very important fight for him. So I, I, I can understand why he didn't, he didn't take that, that fight. Was Joseph, I, I saw him in the front row. Um, did they show him on the big screen or anything? Did the fans have a chance yeah. to react to him? How did they react to him? Yeah, they reacted really well. You know, okay. Joe Joe was there all week in the fighter hotel taking pictures. You know, you could tell he was devastated. I mean, I can remember someone said he had bottled it or something earlier on the week. And, you know, from what I hear uh, transpired there, it couldn't be further from the truth. You know, Joe was apparently counting out almonds to eat on Wednesday. You know, just before, before, uh, before the announcement was made, John Gooden, the commentator, was telling me he saw him literally counting out almonds, you know, obviously worried about his, his weight cut. Um, I was actually... The TriStar guys, Eric O'Keefe and Tom Breeze, were in Team Rhino on Wednesday night just before this news had broken. And I was talking to them, and Eric O'Keefe is of Irish descent. He was telling me how excited he was to walk out with Joe. You know, he was kind of laughing that he'd walk out with the enemy, the English guy, yeah. against Conor Pendrith. And then he'd be coming out with these big cheers. And I was literally on my way home, driving on my way home from Team Rhino, and my phone started going off. I had no idea what it was. 
and then I couldn't believe it to, to see that Joe wasn't Joe wasn't going to be fighting. But you know these things happen. I, I'm sure a lot of people, you know, me myself, you know, fight our welfare. That you know we want to we want to make sure these guys are healthy. You know they're they're putting their bodies on the line in there, and certainly um, Joe with the mild concussion, you know, it couldn't happen unfortunately for the night. Do you have any problem with them sparring so close to the fight? He suffered this injury seven days before the fight. Yeah, well, I mean, this is. That, that was the first question I asked Rory McDonald. But Rory McDonald told me, you know, this wasn't any intense session. This was kind of like a freak accident. He kind of sighted his own kind of pull out before the the BJ the initial BJ Penn date. You know, he said like it's, these are just freak accidents that are happening. Like at the end of the day, no matter how lightly they are training, they're still kind of shaping as if they're going to be hitting each other. And you know, and accidents can happen. Um, you know, uh, I'm just glad. I'm just glad. You know, he wasn't able to fight, and then more damage could have been done. But obviously. You know, I can un- I can understand the fans' frustration. You know what I mean? That that it was taken off the card. He was this was all this club was kind of meant to be all about Joseph Duffy on the way in. You know what I mean? That's what that's what people were certainly excited about. Even when Ben Rothwell and Steve Miocic were taken off the card, that you know people were still like, "Oh well, Poirier and Duffy's going to be a monstrous fight." But in the end of the day, I thought I thought Hulan and, and Smoker. You know, it, w- it was a great main event. I know a lot of people had re- reservations about that, but I thought it was I thought it was an enthralling bout. You know, I thought it was brilliant. Like, there's not many times. A fight can spend that much time in the grappling realm, yeah. And people are, are like cheering and roaring. Usually, when a fight hits the deck, it's only you know a couple of minutes before the whole place is booming. You see it a lot of places. So I thought it was like a technical, aggressive, and exciting fight from both guys. I thought it was like the grappling equivalent of two guys standing in the pocket and, and winging haymakers at each other, you know, because they were sacrificing positions for submissions. Absolutely brilliant, you know. I loved it, you know. And and Paddy was greeted like a national hero out there. The whole place were singing his name, you know. It was, it was a big one for him. I think he did. He ticked every box apart from the victory box. You know what I mean? And, and Louis Smoker looks absolutely brilliant as well. Couldn't agree with uh, more with everything you just said. It was so entertaining, and in fact, I prefer a fight like that more so than one where it's just guys, you know, swinging wildly at each other. Paddy looked to be, you know, as you said, a national hero. He got the big hero's welcome, and it was a nice story for him. He kicked off the card back in July of last year. Now he gets to, to headline it. It did seem like he was a little ticked off in the post-fight interview saying that he never got the call to, A, be the co-main event or be the main event. Did you get that impression as well? Absolutely, you know, and you know, it's it's the kind of thing Paddy does. He just looks, he just always looks forward. You know, I don't think, I don't think he would have refused it. You know, I think he would have been, he would have liked to to been asked, though. You know, yeah. Um, you know, and I think, I think he was a bit down on himself after I fought, I I spoke to him briefly, like, but I, I don't think there's any reason for him to be down on himself after that performance. You know what I mean? There was a main event missing there. He stepped in to do a job. You know, there was only, you know, when you when you look at that card, really. There was only two ranked fighters on that card. Yeah, you know it was Darren Wilkins and Ashling Daly, and 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 respectively they were 13th and 15th in the rankings. You know what I mean? For Paddy and, and Louis uh, Lewis to go up there and, and fight the way they did, two unranked guys. You know, I thought I thought it was absolutely unbelievable. What'd you make of uh, Daly's performance? And and in particular, okay, first let's talk about her performance, and then I want to ask you about something she also said in the post fight. She uh, she finally gets her chance to fight in Dublin in a in a in a UFC octagon. She steps up. Did you think that she put on this great performance that tells the world that she's a contender? I know there was a lot of talk about her her weight cut and her and her her physique and all that. What do you think of it all? I thought the, the interaction between the crowd and Daly really made the fight. You know, when she, she was walking out to the crowd to, to the song Zombie 
and she's singing along. It looks like she has tears in her eyes, and the crowd were singing with her. I thought that was amazing, you know, and the atmosphere throughout that fight was absolutely incredible. Um, I don't think, like, honestly, I don't think Daly has announced herself as a contender in the division there, you know, but Erica Almeida seemed a lot more awkward of an opponent in her debut than she did in Dublin. You know, um, it, the fight the fight itself, you know, it wasn't it wasn't the greatest fight of all time, but that's what the Irish crowd do. Mm. They make, like, yeah. they, they make everything just better, you know. I think they're nearly like a, having a fight on the card. Because people are tuning in to see that atmosphere, right? And that's what—that's what it really was. That's why it was so incredible, you know. Ashling, a pioneer of the sport in Ireland. I think about five guys were maybe training MMA when I started. You know what I mean? That was—that was it. You know what I mean? The first world champion the country ever had. You know, to see her being received like the way she was on the night—that—that's what made it so special. You know what I mean? And for her to get a win, you saw how much it meant for her in there. But but certainly, I don't think I don't think you could say that you know she's announced herself as a contender in the division on the back of the Almeida win but it, it was it was a great performance to watch I thought her post fight interview was fascinating cuz she said that she saw all these other guys her her colleagues her teammates become household names and she was you know, she was left behind because she was on the show because she couldn't fight on that. Uh, well, not the first. I mean, it kind of feels like the first show in Dublin, but technically it was the second show in Dublin last July. Did you get that impression from her? Because I felt like she kind of kept that to herself up until that post-fight interview. No, that's we. I was talking about it quite a bit in the lead up to the fight. You know, um, that was even like if you consider like Neil Siri had made his debut the March before that show, but yeah. it wasn't until that show that people, you know, that the fans really started to recognize Neil. And then Paddy and Cahill had, had a massive launch pad that day. They had two brilliant performances as well. I really did feel like that was um, Ashing Daly's launch pad there. You know, um, the whole the whole week we were kind of talking about this build-up. I think, I, th- I think for some reason she was actually quite worried to see if the crowd would. You know, I think there was that kind of like, will the crowd be as good? Will they, will they get behind me for it? On the night, it was absolutely unbelievable. And that, that really was what that fight was about me. The lead up to it and everything, I, I talked about it quite a bit because, you know, it, it's going to be interesting to see now uh, how many people get behind Ash because uh, that was a really memorable interaction the crowd had with her that night. It kind of reminded me of a series fight on the last card, the way the fields of Roy broke out halfway yeah. through, obviously, a, a, a song. And then they kind of go, whoa, when she was connecting with the shots at the end, the same way as Siri was against uh, Phil Harris last year. But um, it was that was you know I think there was a few moments that will be will, will stick with me from that card and certainly Daly's walkout to Zombie was was one of them. Another one was how the crowd gave Carl Pendred a standing ovation as he left the mm. left the octagon after his loss. You know it was quite a one sided um, loss that Carl suffered on the night and to see the crowd kind of stand up and and applaud him like that. That's what makes seeing these missiles being thrown into the octagon at the end so hard to take. Do you know what I mean? It's yeah. like, you know, it was it was very frustrating to see that, you know? Okay, so Pendred, you know, Pendred is a very polarizing figure in the sport. You know this. Uh, he, he he loses pretty badly in that fight to uh, to Tom Breeze. Breeze looked very good. You know, do, do you feel like he has a future in the UFC? Or you're, not, it's- you're not impressed? You, you kind of shook your head there. What did you not agree with what I just said? Oh no, no! I said I, I think I think you're right. Like I think that was probably the worst time to lose here. Like, yeah. I think you know, with so many cuts being made, um, Carl obviously he himself has criticised his performances so far under the U- UFC banner, and you know that's two losses in a row. Um, and you know that it, it's a very tough position for Carl to be in now. Um, and and I think the fact that Breeze 
Breeze looks to me like a guy that's that's going right to the top of that division. Uh, I was talking to the TriStar guys about him, and you know they all seem very very high on him. Uh, it just so happened that you know a lot of people back in the day wanted them two guys to to fight. It felt like that fight was a couple of years in the making, and Carl was kind of citing his experience throughout the, the lead up to it. And uh, just on the night, you know, he got caught with that left hand at the start, went down on one knee. When he got back up, his nose seemed to be broken. And, uh, you know, it wasn't long before Breeze was connecting with that again. And, you know, for, for a guy that a lot of people see as so durable, you know what I mean? That, that was hugely impressive for uh, Breeze to put him away in one round, I thought. Do you think it would behoove him at this point to go down to another promotion, get his mojo back, get his... You know his confidence back, refine a few things, and then go for another run. Or do you think that he could still hang in the UFC? I don't know. I mean, I think it's just the worst time it could have happened because I mean they're going to be they're talking about all these cuts coming up for fighters. Yeah, welterweight division, one of the most stacked divisions they have in there. You know, I mean, like with just the numbers of fighters in there, and you know, he, that fight, that fight, they're going to be looking at that, and they're going to be looking at the, his last loss as well. Um. You know, he, he hasn't put his best foot forward in both of them fights. You know, that, that's the reality of it. Um I th- I think I think if he was was to be uh to be removed from the roster, I think hundred percent Carl would go to another another uh promotion and fight. Like this is something he's very clearly like he has got his heart set on him. You know, he, he's been a world champion for cage warriors. I mean, it's not like the UFC hasn't gone that well for him, don't get me wrong. You know, but uh I can 100% see him going to, to a different promotion and, and uh, fighting his way back up to the ranks if he if that if that situation doesn't fall that way. Maybe go back to 185. Yeah, he's very big, but then <laughs> I'm sure he's going to be looking at that fight with Tom Breeze, and that guy's a monster. Sure. He's six. He's about the same size as John Jones. I couldn't believe it, the size of that guy. You know what I mean? So it's very hard for him to think about that now after being the smaller man in there, and you know it was Breeze's stopping power that that won him the fight. And then him to go back up to, to 185. But I mean, you know, with this IV thing, you know, we, we could see a lot of people doing that. So it's going to be it's gonna be inter- interesting one to see, certainly. So your boy, Neil Siri, what's going on between you and Neil Siri? Are you guys like, uh, are you guys going to have like a buddy cop movie coming out? Or I feel like there's, there's an interesting relationship there. And I know you've known him for quite some time. How happy was he with, he got 50K and I bet he's, he's back at work on Monday, right? Today. Yeah, he is. Yeah, as far as I know, yeah. that's the way he is. He's he's a hungry he's a hungry man. You know, he just keeps all them pennies. No one's ever going to see that money. He might go over and see Manchester United though. He's a big Manchester United fan, so I'd say he might go and see them. But other than that, yeah, my da- he he like you know Neil. Like I mean, it's weird. Like he, he didn't seem any happier after he won. You know. But that's not a life changer for him. Is that a life changer for him? Based on what you know. Um. I think it will change change a few things, but I mean, he's doing well. Like I mean, he has a full time job and he's a sure. UFC fighter. I don't think I don't think he's stuck. He has four kids, obviously, so uh, I'm sure I'm sure that will help out a lot because, as I'm often told, no matter how much money you have, once you have kids, it's all going to get poured into them anyway. So that's yes. the way it is. But uh, yeah, it was great. I, I personally felt he could have got a bonus with a couple of his performances before that one. Yeah. So. When when Andy Ryan came into the press conference just before it started, he told me that he didn't get it. You know, I, I don't like you know. I was wondering if anything had been said to him. And Andy had a big mopey. No, we didn't get it. But uh, <laughs> so it was good to see. It was good to see him getting it. Um, he, uh, you know, he did really well. I think that was the best performance of his career we saw. Really? Wow. Then. Yeah, yeah, I really do. Um, he opened himself up. You know, the the two guys. 
they went at it exactly like they said they would. It was it was a really cool. They he had the whole crowd dancing at the end. A classic dance song came on, and Siri and the Rhino boys dancing in the middle of the octagon. It was that was another one of them memorable moments for me. You now on the night. I loved what he said afterwards as well. Uh, something to the effect of, you know, I'm probably not going to fight for the belt or win the belt, but I'm going to give you great performances. And it's 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 always refreshing to hear that kind of honesty from a pro athlete. And I don't usually get hung up about the whole bonus thing, but uh, I, I did think that Luis Smolka deserved something. That's not to say that they're not going to hook him up on the back end, but I was surprised he didn't get a bonus. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, you know, that could have been fighting annoyed as well. And, really. Yeah, I thought he was going to get 100K. Yeah, Till and Dalby were unbelievable as well. Because, I mean, I think the fact that Dalby managed to turn around that fight in the last round after Till was so dominant. You know, he he, he was... he. I couldn't believe how how easily he was dealing with the, with the range there against Dalby in the first two rounds. So, for Dalby to come back and just steamroll him in that last round to get a draw, that, that deserved to be commended as well, I suppose. Yeah. But um, the funny thing about Siri, I thought, was when he was in the cage afterwards, and he was like, well, if anyone drops out, I'm always here. It was like, no, they're going to give you another fight, Neil. You know, don't worry about it. They'll probably match you up with someone. He's just, if anyone drops out, you know, it'd be great to get a, get a shout. But um, <laughs> it'll be interesting to see what, uh, what, he, what he does next. Okay, last question before I let you go. Of course, when you talk Irish MMA, you have to talk Conor McGregor. He was in attendance, but we didn't hear much from him this past week. No Q&A, no media stuff, which I found to be somewhat interesting. Um, what's, what's the word on the street over there about Conor? Are people still backing him 100%? Is there still the same kind of anticipation buzz for this fight in December as there was if they were going to be fighting in July? What's, what's the temperature like regarding Conor McGregor these days? Oh, it's still exactly it's still exactly the same as it okay. is. Like I, I think, you know, you can't help but look at that event, you know, and, and think, you know, it was nearly like like originally it was nearly like a contingency plan with Poirier and, and Duffy fighting each other in the main event. You know, um, both of them guys would have to want to align themselves with a rematch with Conor McGregor, and I feel like, you know, that, that certainly had some kind of say on the selling power of the card. I was told, interestingly, I was told he was going to walk out in Dublin. Like, you know, he's going to have a yeah. walkout just to sit down in his chair, which I was looking forward to seeing because that seems, that seems incredible. You know what I mean? So uh, that didn't happen in the end. But he was. He was kind of walking around and there was plenty of fanfare. Every time he, he kind of was walking around meeting all the fans, he stayed and signed a lot of stuff. But, um, yeah, look, I mean, that I can see a lot of people traveling to that fight again. I don't know if it's going to be as many as there were in July because it's so close to Christmas. Yeah. And over here, people go crazy buying the kids' presents and stuff like that. But, uh, you know, I think there's still going to be thousands of people traveling, 100%. Great stuff, as always, my friend. Appreciate the insight. Uh, appreciate your work. Irish, Mir, and, of course, Severe MMA. And Fightland as well. I forgot to mention Fightland last time. A man of yeah. many hats, Pete C. Carroll. There he is. Thank you for the time. Thanks very much. Cheers, Ariel. Thanks very much. All right, there he is. Uh, Peter Carroll stopping by. Uh, always great work from him and the lads over at uh, Severe MMA. All right, uh, in a minute, we are going to be joined by Malki Kawa, the manager for John Jones. Friday afternoon, UFC finally lifted his suspension. And, of course, I mean, who, who didn't see that coming? Um, and this all leads to the highly anticipated rematch against Daniel Cormier. This time, John Jones, the challenger. This could be a gigantic fight if promoted correctly by the UFC. And you have to wonder if they can get the New York thing done 
will that be the main event for the April 23rd show at Madison Square Garden? That would be the perfect storybook ending as far as this past year is concerned. And, and also, pretty crazy, that would be almost a year to the date of, of all this happening to John. So it would, be, uh, it would be a nice way for him to end in. Of course, he's wanted to fight in New York for quite some time. Uh, we don't have John on the line, but we do have the next best thing. We do have his manager, Malki Kawa. He joins us right now via the Magic of Skype. There he is, front and center. Malki, how are you, my friend? What an introduction. <laughs> we, we don't have John. We have Mal. Thanks, everyone. Well, I appreciate it. I mean, I'm not on the phone with, uh, you know, what? any of the other great reporters and stuff. But no, whatever. this means I just I, I, I was setting up the John stuff, and if someone was tuning in late, they'd say, oh, wow, John's going to be on it. I said we have the next best thing. I mean, that, I think that's a pretty good title, no? I'll take it. It's all good. How you doing? I'm doing great. Uh, congratulations, I guess, are in order. Uh, he, he is a free man. He can, uh, he can resume his fighting career. And the reason I wanted to have you, one of the main reasons why I wanted to have you on was on this very show, you said, hey, you know, it's still not 100% that this guy is going to fight again. What changed? You know, I think that, that um, as time went on and as, as he really had time to himself, he got to really self-reflect and really figure out what he really wanted. And I think he really wants to fight. I think that was, you know, it came into question. He was under a lot of pressure, a lot of stress, a lot of uh, expectations, a lot of things, you know, and a lot of it, some of it's just stuff he puts on himself. And um, I think that, you know, he, he needed, he had always told me from before that, that last fight that um, he had scheduled that he wanted a break. He wanted a long break. And it, it just, every fight kept on presenting itself. And every, you know, time that, that the UFC wanted him to fight, it was just, you know, he just didn't say no. And it just kept on, you know, I guess it mounted up and he just needed some time away. So once he got the time away, and I think he got time to really, you know, figure out what he wanted, it ended up, uh, you know, he figured out at the end of the day that, you know, he wanted to fight. Was, was the ball always in his court, though? In other words, they could lift the suspension, but it's up to him to fight. So were you thinking that this is a, that they're, they're going to lift it once, you know, the plea hearing was done, he came to an agreement, and that he was a free man on that end, and then it was up to him to decide whether or not he was going to fight? Yeah, I mean, you know, so, you know, I, I always knew that he was, um, I've known for a long time that he was going to, uh, this plea agreement had kind of been in place for, for, for a little bit. You know what okay. I mean? We kind of been going back and forth to the DA. We kind of knew certain things were going to happen. And I knew that after that was going to happen, at some point they were going to reinstate him. The one thing I never really knew for sure was whether or not he really wanted to fight. You know, we and him, we talk about a lot of different things. And sometimes it's not just fighting. So when I, when I listened to him, um, I always wondered, you know what I mean? Does he really, really want to do this? And I, and I always knew there would be a day where maybe he would say, yeah, I definitely want to do this. You know what I mean? And I'm ready to come back and I'm going to, you know, but I just didn't know if it would be right when the suspension got lifted, if it would be a year from now, would it be UFC 200? You know, would it be would Madison Square Garden be enough? You know what I mean? Like, I, I didn't know what would be enough to make him say, hey, I really want to do this because he, he really was questioning it. He really didn't, you know what I mean? It was just a lot. I just think it was just, he just needed the time away. And I think that now that he's had that, you know, he's he's uh, he's been able to reflect and and see what you know really is important to him. So, in a perfect world, when does he come back? Uh, you know what? I, 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 we're working that out with the UFC right now. I mean, there's, there's, you know, for me personally, I think um, one of the, the the perfect in a perfect world, New York State gets approved, yeah. and he makes a comeback April 23rd in Madison Square Garden. I mean, that's in a perfect world. That means that you New York would have to get you know approved, and and you know that's that's in my opinion what I would think would be. You know, the stars aligning for everyone, the UFC, the state of New York, yeah. for, for John making a good comeback, winning his belt in front of his home, you know, his home crowd. You know, that'd be pretty cool. Are you concerned that uh, DC might put the kibosh on that because he said he didn't want to fight John in New York? No, nah, I don't think DC has any choice in, in, in that at all, <laughs> to be honest with you. I think everybody knows who the champion is. 
and I hate to sound that way, you know what I mean? But the reality of it is, um, you know, th this this fight's very important for DC as well, right? If, if, if DC is the opponent and, and, and whatever day it is, right, you got to think that um, he needs this fight just as much as anybody. Because, I mean, I see what everyone's saying. I see what everybody's thinking about him. Yes, he's, listening. he beat Gustafson, he beat Anthony Johnson, you know what I mean? And, I, and congratulations to him and, and phenomenal fighter. But he still didn't beat John Jones, you know? No one took that belt from him. And at the end of the day, him, you know, parading around is like, I'm the true champion on this and that and the other. It doesn't really sit well with me, you know what I mean? I, this is, I'm just me talking yeah. personally from my perspective. So um, with that being said, it's, 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 to me, I think it's an important fight for DC. So if John wants to fight him in February, March, April, May, June, July, whenever, I think DC should step up and just take the fight. Was there any talk of John bypassing 205 and returning as a heavyweight? I, I threw that out there, you know? I threw that out there. I, I, you know, when, when this whole time this stuff was going on, I was just kind of like running different things by him. You know, you ever think about coming, becoming a heavyweight? You want to go back and just become the heavyweight champ? Do you want to, you know what I mean? And then, you know, he, he just kind of, he entertained every idea. I don't think that there's any real talk of him coming back to the heavyweight right now. The, the, the problem is this, is that, he weighs right now around, he's walking around around 220, 225. Huh. So he would be a really, really small heavyweight. And the fact of the matter is, is that now that he's training and he's doing all these things that he's, you know, differently than what he's done in the past, I, how can you tell the man to go up heavyweight unless he gains 20 more pounds? You know what I mean? So this is, this is the issue is that he's got to get bigger to, to be able to, um, to fight at heavyweight and to not lose any of his explosion. But I mean, I just think it's a matter of time at some point. I just don't know when that would ever happen. But I think it's just, it's, it's, it would have been too, uh, I just say like you know, listen. It was it was it was wishful thinking on my part. I, I would have loved to have seen him come back as a heavyweight and, and contend for a title, but it's just I don't think it, it lines up properly right now. Okay, so mentally, where is he at right now? Because I see the Instagram videos. He appears to be in amazing shape. He's he's lifting weights. He he seems very focused. But is this something that he has had to try to convince himself? Okay, I you know I need to resume my career. I'm still a very young guy. I mean, where where is he at as far as returning and and getting back the title? and doing what he was doing before all this happened? You know, one word, I guess, that, that can really describe John right now is focused. Oh, okay. I've never seen him focused. He's super focused. I'm talking about Ariel. He's, he's focused more than he's ever been before. Uh, it, it, and, you know, listen, everybody's got their opinion. You know, he did this, he did that, whatever. And that's all fine and dandy. He's still the greatest fighter we've ever seen, right? And I've, and I've watched him through many different camps, and the coaches have, you know, told me about how he's done certain things in different camps. This is the first time I think you guys can also attest to that – he doesn't have a fight scheduled. He's in Albuquerque and he's actually training. Most of the time when John like done with a fight, he doesn't train at all. There's no weightlifting. There's no jujitsu practice. There's no boxing. There isn't anything. So this is the first time that we can sit here, all of us, and we can say he's actually putting in some work. You know what I mean? And yeah. he's really putting in some work. He's, he's doing the best that he can at almost everything he's doing. So he's very focused at just becoming a monster inside that octagon and being a great person outside the octagon and being a good example and all that. So he's very focused at just being a, a really, really, really good Jumbo Jones. It feels like it happened, you know, years ago at this point, but it was only around six, seven months that, that all this happened right after UFC 186 in Montreal. The proof will always be in the pudding, but from your perspective, honestly, is he figuring things out outside of the gym? Is he, is he back on the right track? What can you tell us about his personal life? The conversations me and John have today are completely different than the conversations me and John had even three months ago, four months ago, a year ago, eight months ago. Um, it's just you would have to really like be around it to understand it and see it because, uh -huh. you know what I mean? Listen, listen, we can always put out, I could always, listen, I, I could sit here and tell you what you guys want to hear. 
You know what I mean? And I can sit here and tell you guys that, you know, he's the greatest thing and he's so wonderful and this and that. And, you know, I'm his manager. I'm, I'm supposed to say a lot of that stuff. But, right. you know, there's certain things that I can, you know, when I see it myself with my own eyes, I can tell you that there's a lot of things that he's just doing different. Everything. There's not one thing I can put my finger on. It's everything from the way he, you know, he's waking up in the morning and going to train from, um, you know, showing up on time to everything that he has scheduled, even if it's something as ridiculous as getting his phone fixed. You know what I mean? It's just we have a conference call at two o'clock, John. John's at one forty five calling me. Hey, Mark, ready for the conference call? You know what I mean? Wow. What are we going to talk about? Let's do it. You know, so it's, it's there's a lot of things that I see that he's just very focused right now. He's like just going to make sure he's the best at everything he does. Uh, he lost a lot of sponsors when this happened. This is your domain. Mm -hmm. What's mm -hmm. going on there? Are people coming back? You know what? I, it, Put it to you like this, you know, um, yes and no. Yes and no. Okay. I can put, tell you like that, yes and no. There's, 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 um, I, I don't want to tell you that the whole world's sitting here calling me, though, I can't wait to sponsor John Jones because that's not the case. But at the same time, you know what I mean? Everybody's kind of in that, like, um, that hold and wait pattern kind of thing. Like, you know what? Hey, we want to see what's up, what's, what the plans are, this, that, and the other. And, you know, it, it just, it, listen, I'll just put it to you like this. I'm a lot further along than I even, I expected. I'll put it to you like that. There's, okay. there's a lot of good news coming and a lot of stuff that's going to happen in the next couple of months that I think that as they uh, get done, you guys will, will say, okay, well, hell, you know, it's not, it, it's just all good stuff. Some companies, you know them, you know, jump ship, I guess understandably so when all this happened. Are you interested in repairing those relationships or are you the kind of guy and is John the kind of guy who's like, look, you jump ship then, I don't want to, I don't want to rekindle that fire. Well, you know, no, I, I think I think that's not the right way to take it. I think at the end of the day, you know, we, we understand why a lot of them had to jump ship. Um, I don't think that you can blame any one company for for uh, for doing what they did. Um, a majority of the companies, the relationships are actually pretty good. They they love John. John loves them. I think that, you know, from a from, you know, just what their budgeting is, is set up at right now. You know, we're at the end of the year. So a lot of stuff is going to happen probably for next year. Um, some companies, you know, we've just moved on ourselves. Like there's certain things that I'm working on and been working on. For a while now that that as time goes on you know we'll, we'll we'll bring to the table and you know john will decide whether or not he wants to work with them but i have got great relationships with every one of his companies that he's ever worked with um they all have you know expressed some sort of interest as as far as working with john again some have said hey you know we won't be able to do anything for a while some have said hey if we do it again it's got to be a little different and you know so we just have a lot of things right now area on the table that i got to sift through to see what's the best route for him to go by. So, you know, the, the, the beautiful thing about all this is that this has given us a great chance to have a, uh, a second chance in a sense in, yeah. in a new slate. And that's kind of like the way I, I've, I've also taken this side that you've called my domain as, as that opportunity as well to do everything kind of, you know, uh, the way maybe I'd like to have done it the last time. You know what I mean? Yeah. Two last things on John. Um, how would you describe his relationship with the UFC and in particular Dana and Lorenzo these days? You know, first off, I just got to say that, that it was I was very appreciative of Dana Lorenzo and Lawrence Epstein um, coming out to his uh, his uh, his yeah. hearing yeah. last year he had yeah. because you know they they don't you know listen I'm gonna put it like this we all know that their relationship has been very rocky and I'm not gonna deny that but again like I said our our thing now is that we're on the second chapter of his career right this this is the midpoint and this is a, a new opportunity a new start in a way you know what I mean we wanna we wanna kind of do everything in a way that that uh, a little easier, a little smarter. I think the relationship with them is getting better. Um, it was very nice of them to show up because no CEO or no commissioner of any league shows up to any of their star clients' you know, trials or, or uh, issues with the law. And then the fact that they showed up in support of John and, 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 
Uh, that was a real big thing on their side, and I think that that goes to show a lot about you know who they are and then, and um, and then what they're trying to do and accomplish you know in the sport and with their guys and stuff. And you know we really it really meant a lot to us. So um, you know it, it's it's a work in progress. I would say you know what I mean. I think everything's on the up and up and getting getting to where it needs to get to. And and uh, you know hopefully you know all the little things that are out there. Um, you know that whole Vitor testing thing and things of that nature kind of you know, throw through some wrenches and some stuff, but, you know, we've got to sit down and talk with them some more and just continue to build the relationship and, and see where it goes. What do you mean about the Vitor thing? Uh, you mean, like, he's he's upset about that? What, what, what do you... What yeah, do you... I mean, we were, we're very, we were very upset about that. You know, obviously, you know, you got to think that if, if, if what they're saying, what the media is reporting, if that's actually factual, that there was a cover-up of some sort of drug test, you know, that's a huge, that's a huge problem. That's a huge yeah. problem for, for, for us on a personal level. It's a huge, huge problem for us on a professional level. But, again... We haven't spoken to anybody about that. We don't really know, you know, the, uh, the, the, all the details. No one's, you know, said anything to anybody. That's a conversation that we'll have at some point. But the reality of it is, is that, you know, those are the type of things that, you know, obviously, as any, if you're any fighter, you know, if you were to fear that, you know, this and that went on with your promotion, you'd be a little bothered by it, wouldn't you think? Yeah, of course. Actually, I don't know if you know this. I wanted to have, well, Vitor was supposed to be on the show today. And uh, they, they pulled out. And this is, is people wouldn't allow you guys to ask them certain questions. I'm going to assume that. Oh, it was it that. Had to do with that. It was 100% yeah, that. Sure. Um, yeah. So that that's that's disappointing. Not that I was gonna, you know, hammer him for it, but uh, just he hasn't addressed it. What are you trying to say? No, I mean, listen. I mean, look. I just, you know, this is my thing. It's like, you know, people always ask me that question. You know, what's his relationship like with the UFC? What's John's relationship like with the UFC? John has a good relationship with everybody. He's he's a good person, man. He doesn't he doesn't try to have bad relationships with anyone. You know what I mean? But if you if you're gonna uh, purposely go out of your way to do harm to him and stuff like that, then there's no business for him to to have, you know, relationships like that. So, um, again, that's something that happened in the past. Like I said, you know what I mean? We look at this, you know, new beginning as a, a, a second chapter, you know what I mean? And as an opportunity to go and do things, you know what I mean? Better than we did them in the past and just to be, you know, positive and to move forward in that positive direction. So, you know what I mean? All I can tell you is that I, I think it's just something that, uh, that we're working on and we're building towards, you know, having a really good relationship with everyone. Going forward. There might be one exception to that rule, and his name is Daniel Cormier. I'm wondering how big of a factor he plays in all of this. In other words, if he wasn't the champion, if he didn't say what you know he's been saying, uh, does that make John think twice about coming back? Like, is a big motivation for him to shut this guy up and take away his belt? You know, what's, what's funny about this is that John is, is a is a like you ever like in the NFL, you ever notice how some people say that. Um, they're allowing the defense to dictate to them what they do. So if they stack the guys in the box and they'll throw, but if they drop people back, then they'll run the ball. John's the type of offensive coordinator, if I can say that, where it doesn't matter what anybody else says. John does what John's going to do. So that means basically if John wants to fight, John's going to fight. If John, if Daniel Cormier talks up a big storm, then it may motivate John to want to beat up Daniel Cormier more. If Daniel Cormier doesn't talk at all, if John wants to beat up Daniel Cormier, then John's going to beat up Daniel Cormier. So for me, it's not like it, him talking or not talking, I don't think pushes him back into it faster because if he didn't want to do it, it had, remember, you see, here's the thing people forget. He's already beaten Daniel Cormier and it wasn't close. So <laughs> him talking, what does that really, at the end of the day, matter? You follow what I'm trying to say? Like, there's yeah. no real, there's no real, uh, like, that, that, I mean, how do I say it to you? Like, in other words, he beat him up and he beat him up easy. It wasn't even close, right? This was the guy who was going to take John down 100 out of 100 times and he'll do whatever he wanted and all this other stuff. And, and John kind of had his way. He took him down and did what he wanted. I mean, it, was, it wasn't a close fight at all. Um, with that being said, if John wants to fight someone else, then John's going to push to fight someone else. If John wants to fight Cormier because 
he wants his belt back, and that's what's you know in John's head, and that's what John's going to do. So it has no dictation at all because of, of Daniel Cormier. Let's let's just pretend Gustafson would have won the belt, right? If John wants his belt back, then John's going to fight Gustafson no matter what Cormier would have mm-hmm. said or, or, or what Anthony Johnson would say or Ryan Bader would say or whoever would say. He's that type of guy. There's no Nobody's going to dictate to him anything. He's going to be the guy that dictates whatever it is that he wants. That's just the way he, he operates. You know, it's been a while since we had a manager on this show and, and, and talked about this, so I, I feel like you can, uh, you can discuss it a little bit, and I'm curious to get your take. How has... A, the Reebok deal, and B, the USADA deal affected your line of work? The USADA deal hasn't affected my line of work at all yet. I, I, I don't, um, outside of us having to update where the fighters are and, and putting that extra responsibility on us, that really hasn't affected us. I think that, you know, it's a good thing for the sport. It's going to keep a lot of guys uh, honest and clean, and I think that that's important. You know what I mean? So that, that's that part. The Reebok deal, it's a little different because, um, you know, like I told you, Ariel, from, from the first time that we did the Nike deal with John, that eventually at some point, this sport was going to turn to that. I said that I think two years ago, when or three years ago, when John first got the Reebok deal. I told you guys, he this sport is going to go to that eventually. They had talked about it. It was in the works. They had always wanted to to find someone to come in and just do away with all the all the other sponsors. Um, if you come from the football world, the basketball world, or the baseball world, the hockey world, in those major sports in our country, all right, you are under the same guidelines. You have a uniform and you have to do all your stuff outside the playing field of the arena. It's the same exact thing in MMA. Um, are my guys getting hit on the sponsor side? Absolutely, because the one thing that MMA brought was an opportunity to let a lot of the smaller mom and pop shops jump in who don't have a marketing budget to put them in commercials and in you know magazines and things of that nature to put their logo on their shorts and you know pay the guys to do that. So a guy could get five sponsors at you know, three or four grand a piece, and he'd make 15 to 25,000, 30,000 bucks, be great to go. Now, depending on the amount of fights he has, depends on whether or not he gets uh, a certain check. Well, when you really sit down and look at it all, um, you know, some guys are, are suffering from it, and other guys who just got here or been here for two or three fights are doing better than they've ever done before. So it just really all depends. I, you know, you look at guys like, uh, like uh, Bones, who I think will do very well, you know, as, as time goes on. Uh, guys like uh, Anthony Pettis, things that, you know, even Tyron Woodley, who does very well outside of it, even Carlos Condit, who I'm starting to see a lot more, you know, movement on him when it comes to sponsors and things of that nature, they're going to do okay outside the octagon. It's just more of your middle-level guys who people don't really know about are the ones that, you know, get get hurt more because you can't sell the UFC aspect of it. So other than that, it's just getting creative and and doing, you know, sponsors. But this is like how it is in football. You can represent a first round and they won't have any sponsorship outside on the football field either. you got to be certain positions, certain picks, certain guys, certain market. The stars have to align. It's, it's not the same. So um, I was ready for it. Speaking of Woodley, what's going to happen to him? Is he going to wait for the tail shot? That means he's not going to be, you know, he's he, he, he would be out of action for like a year, more than a year by the time that fight actually happens. So what do you think, what do you think is going to happen to him? Well, my conversations with Woodley have been realistically, um, you know, depending on, on, on what, happens in January, but I don't think that he's going to want to sit out the whole time. Um, I'm going to actually, you know, it was on my list of stuff to do today to sit down with Woodley and kind of figure out, you know, what he wanted to do going forward because, um, you know what I mean, it, it, does he deserve the next title shot? I think absolutely the answer is absolutely yes. Um, does he have to fight somebody else? I don't think so. You know what I mean? I don't think that's necessary. So we're caught between two things here. You know, do we wait him out and him fight? Is ring rust come into, into consideration there? Um, you know, if it's Robbie, if it's Carlos, one of the two, I, I think that there's, you know, there's a lot of answers that, uh, that I got to find out, but that's something that I think that we'll know in the next couple of weeks. So, like, I got, I'm going to talk with him today, actually, specifically about that to see what he wants to do. Do we push for a fight on that same card 
you know what I mean, or, or somewhere around that same card so that he can, you know, be in line with whoever wins that fight so he can fight? Or do we just sit and wait? And that's something that I got to get him to answer today at some point. Uh, Arlovsky just got a fight last week. What about Frank Mir? What's, uh, what's next for him? Well, I think there's a heavyweight out there that, that, that needs a fight, don't you think? I think oh. he just was all across the country and needed a fight. So we're <laughs> waiting on him whether or not to see if he's, he's uh, you know, looking to, to fight him or not. So The pride of Ireland, Frank Ben Rothwell? Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? Well, listen, here's the thing. When, when the, you know, we, we, I, I called up Joe and I you know, told him, hey, you know, if, if uh, Ben is looking to fight, he needs a fight. Frank would be more than happy to, 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 to make it happen. So I guess we're waiting to see if that's the route the UFC and Ben want to go. Man, you've been on fire as of late. How many new clients have you signed? Arlovsky recently, Yoel Romero, the Pettis brothers. Who am I missing? Who are we missing? Yes. Listen, we went to Cuba and got like some of Cuban's best prospects that just got here to America. We signed them too. Oh, wow. Look at you. Oh, yeah. National champion wrestlers and stuff like that. It's pretty cool. Just uh, do me a favor. Don't don't have Bean uh, do the translations for those guys, all right? He's a good guy, but I don't know why you have to try to kill the guy. He saying. didn't do a bad job. I, heard it again. I mean, listen, it wasn't that bad. It's just that, what do you call it? I, I understand he could have probably put a little bit more ice on some of the stuff, but okay. no forget. You know, you, know how, you know how much I had to repeat that word to him? That's why when he said to him, I said, no forget. And he started to say it with the T because when I met him, I started talking to him, but I said, listen to me, buddy. I know what you meant because I live in Miami, but the minute you said that, this is what it sounded like. And he was like, no, 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 no. It's no forget. No forget. I said, no, no, no. Exclamate the T. Yeah. Exclamate the T. <laughs> you know what I mean? He's, he's, a, he's, a, he's, a, he's a good dude, too. Let me tell you, he, that's another guy that's super focused. He's, like, at 191, 192 right now. Okay. He's, like, training around that weight. Um, he's keeping his weight really light, and he's looking to really, like, you know, make a real serious statement against Jacare and uh, contend for this belt. Because, you know, whoever wins that fight yeah. is getting the championship uh, next. So, Am I crazy, or have they not announced Pettis Alvarez yet? Or did they announce it, and I just missed it? They announced it, right? I think they announced they it. They did? Because uh-huh. it was kind of out there for a long time. and So he's fighting January 17th. Did they tell you if he wins that, he's going to get a title shot? Do you have any idea? Yeah, he wins that, he gets a title shot. Okay, wow. And he told me, are you on board with this? He told me that even if Dos Anjos loses to Cerrone, he wants Dos Anjos regardless. <laughs> I'm not on board with that. Why would I be on board with that? <laughs> he says he wants to right that wrong. He wants to exercise. Uh, you know, honestly, I, I'm gonna tell you, I'm gonna tell you this. You know, honestly, I love it when a fighter wants to fight and and do stuff like that because that you know makes my job a lot easier. You know what I mean? To this set that stuff up. But I, I, I you know, my job also entails explaining to these guys why it's probably better to go get the belt because you know obviously you're gonna make more money. Sure. When you make more money, then you can also go back to the UFC and say, hey, I understand that, I, I, but I'd really like to fight this guy, and then you can make it you know for for make it worth even more than just. Uh, skipping a championship opportunity if, if you have. I mean, listen, if Cowboy wins, right, and he holds the belt and he just beat Cowboy, what, a year ago or so? Yeah. You know what I mean? You're, you're telling me that you'd rather not? No, I just, I just think that's Anthony's competitor because Anthony's a huge competitor, man. I, I don't think people really know how much of a competitor Anthony is. And, you know, he's working real hard to, 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 to also fix a lot of his um, training habits and, and, and just his, his uh, you know, some of the things you guys saw in the last fight just won't happen in this one and this next one. He's, he's just really working very, very hard. So... It's a, it's a pretty cool thing, just watching him and, and see what he's going to do. 
Congratulations on the John uh, situation getting resolved, and he's back. Can't wait for that. What a huge story that is going to be whenever his fight gets booked. And by the way, uh, you know, I don't know if this is a coincidence or not, but I've been noticing your brother, Abraham, at the events more and more. Let's keep that going. I think he's, uh, he's a sight for sore eyes compared to you, so it's, it's been a nice change. So let's keep Abraham at the events. You in the background, you show up on the show when need be, and uh, we could keep it going that way. What do you think? He's a sight for sore eyes. What does that mean? That means Does that, that mean he's that means he, it's nice to look at him. It's nice to see him. Hey, listen, hey, whatever <laughs> floats your boat. Either which way, you're gonna deal with one of us, so it doesn't matter to me. All right, you know okay. what I mean. Hey, listen, you know what it is. Listen, you know how these rookies are. They get in and they want to go to all the fights sure. and be there and all that stuff. You know what I mean? It's like so it's all good. You know, let them go. The hell. It's a no, but you know what? Listen, actually, I got a very busy schedule. You gotta think: December 10th, 12th, 19th in Orlando, January 2nd, 17th. And then, you know what I mean? Shoot, you're talking about every other weekend after that, pretty much with all these other guys that, that are a thing. We got Korea still coming up. I mean, listen, oh, yeah. you mentioned Ben Henderson, who's fighting, you know, um, Tiago Alves in, uh, in the main event there in, in uh, South Korea, which should be a huge show and a pretty cool show. They're sold out, but I think they're almost sold out or sold out already. Something to that effect. The tickets are selling really well there. So it's, 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 there's a lot of big shows coming, man. So we'll yeah, see. we'll have you on to talk about that one. That's, uh, that's two of your clients going toe to toe in the main event. So much to discuss. As always, we have run out of time. I appreciate it, as always. Mr. Malkikawa, thank you very much. And again, congrats on John. Thank you very much, everyone. All right, there he is, Malkikawa, manager to the stars. Always great to get his insight on the show. All right, let's move along now. Let's go to our next guest. He has been patient. We appreciate it. Always a pleasure to talk to Alexander Gustafsson. He joins us right now from Sweden. Alex, how are you? Alex, are you there? Yeah, I'm here. Hey, thank you for the... Can you hear me? Yes, I can hear you just fine. Thank you very much for the time. Um, I appreciate it. So uh, we're three or so, maybe a little more than three weeks removed from the fight. When, when we talk yeah. about UFC 192 and Daniel Cormier, what are your feelings towards it? Uh, well, uh, you know, uh, I'm feeling good. I'm, I've been healing up uh, quite good. And uh, so, you know, it's, it was a good fight. And uh, we both just went in and... and uh, and uh, went all in. So there's not much more to say about it. Is a fight like that easier to to digest than what happened in January against Rumble? Because you were so close. It was such a great fight. You've received so much respect and you know accolades after this Cormier fight. Um, is it easier, or are they both the same? Uh, well, it's a, it's a tough question. A loss is always a loss, and it's always hard to... To deal with, um, but uh, I'd probably say that uh, this one is easier than than the general one against Anthony. That was a tough one, but I think it it, it was more because it was in Stockholm and, and stuff like that. But uh, but you know, it's it's a loss and it's always tough, man. Any serious injuries after the Cormier fight? No, not at all. No, it just I think it looked worse than I actually was. You know, I was just. He, I was just cut everywhere, and I, I don't know. It, it's never actually happened to me in a fight. Uh, you know, I had a cut over the eye and the, in the nose, but he cut uh, somehow. I got a cut in my mouth, and that was the worst one, I think. Wow. Uh, but uh, it, it's just it's just scratches. You know, it's just it's just flesh. You know, and he hits up quite quite good. So no no serious injury, no internal injury, nothing like that. So I'm fine. And I'm, I'm actually back in training. I trained, I trained today and uh, I did some, did some uh, drills uh, with, my, with, with, my, with my friends. And then I did some, some heavy bag work. So, you know, I'm feeling, I'm feeling fine. 
before they read the judges' scorecard, did you think you had done enough to win that fight? Uh, uh, well, again, I, I didn't. I didn't know when I was standing there. Like you know, for example, the same with John. I've been talking about that too earlier. It's just one of those fights when you you don't know what you what they're gonna say. You know, you, you don't know. It was just it was just a it's just a close close fight, and I just felt it, it was very close. So I had no idea. In the early, very early portion of the fight, he he slammed you, which looked like you know this highlight reel move. Uh, what did that do for your confidence, <laughs> yeah. right there, to to get up off the ground like that? I, I'm assuming that's never happened to you in an MMA fight before. What were you thinking at that point? Uh, no, I was uh, I was surprised from uh, you know uh, of his his power. Uh, he, he has just some brutal strength, and I'm a, I'm I'm, I'm kind. Of, kind of strong uh, person and, and kind of heavy. So I didn't really see that slam coming, but, you know, I, I, he didn't hurt me at all. Just mentally, I was still there, and I just felt fine. I knew he was, that, that's actually one of his moves. So I, I wasn't that surprised, but, uh, you know, like, it was just his strength that, that surprised me a little bit. And, you know, I saw, uh, you know, I just saw the, the roof, and then I saw the mat. <laughs> so it was, it was kind of good move he did. Uh, have you watched the fight since it happened? I haven't, no. You haven't. Is that typical for you? No. Yeah, I think so. You know, it's, it's, it's just, you know, when you, when, you take, you know, when you take that step to watch the fight, you actually lost. It, it's really, you need to have some, you take some courage. And I just need to find that and, and uh, sit down with my team and watch it and see See, you know, what I hell I do wrong all the time, you know, when it comes to, like, the fifth round and stuff like that. It's just, I don't know. It's just, like, I'm getting that, you know, I'm just getting, I'm just number two. And I need to find, you know, find out what's, you know, what was what's the problem are and, and uh, how to, to, to win the fifth round, you know, and win the fight. So, uh I'm just going to sit down with the, with the team and uh, see what we can do about it and uh, what we can learn about it. From it. Do you think it's a cardio issue? No, I don't think so. You know, I just, I, you know, I just working my ass off every every camp, and I'm feeling fine. And uh, uh, I don't know. I just, you know, I, I, of course you're tired of the fifth round, but five rounds. But it's not like, you know, it's, you know, I'm still kind of fresh after the fight, and it's just that I don't think I'm working enough. Uh, you know, when you're fighting a guy like DC, you know, he's just coming in and just pushes you. You have to push him back a little bit. And I think, I think it's a, I think it's just, you know, the technical part and, and, uh, and, uh, you know, just have my, put my things together in, in the fight. So it feels like, it feels like I'm getting. Go ahead. Sorry. What, I think, yeah, just one dimensional. I just do one thing. I, I need to like work more on how to like be not that you know a bit even more like unpredictable you know mm-hmm. so do you think that's something that happens as the fight goes on or do you feel like you're like that throughout the entire fight no it just as the fight goes on and it just feels like you know i'm i'm getting back to basics and get back to i just get back to my i just go back to what i always been doing but as you're competing you're just getting tougher and tougher opponents and you have to develop yourself, and I'm developing in practice and in sparring and even in fights. But 
as the fight goes, I just go more and more back to, you know, what I did like back in the days. And I need to be a little bit more unpredictable, maybe. Uh, you know, I, I don't know. It, it's, a, it's a really hard uh, hard thing to to fix, but I'm going to fix it. I'm going to fix it. Um, I, I, I'm sure you remember the third round. It looked like you had him in a lot of trouble, and uh, he was rocked. It's very rare to see DC like that. Do you think if you have an extra minute or so, you were able to finish him? I don't know, to be honest with you. You know, he, that guy is just a tank. He, he did it. You know, I hit him with the. You know, I, I've been I've been dropping guys for a lot of years with those with those punches I throw it. I, I hit him with, but he just, you know, he just he just came at me, and uh, he, I don't think if even if I had like a baseball bat and hit him with that, he was still coming after me. So you know, it's he's a really tough guy, and uh, and he can take a beating and stuff like that. So you know, it, it was a tough fight. Was he tougher than you expected him to be? Uh, no, I don't know. You know, I just, I knew it would be tough, but you know, he just, he just, he just took everything I, I throw him and he just, just came at me. So uh, I don't know. Maybe he, he surprised me a little bit in that, in that fight, in the fight, but, uh, yeah, he's, he's a tough guy. He's a really tough guy. I got to say, you know, the, the, the end of the fight. Uh, reminded me why I, I love this sport and in particular the fighters so much. It was just so nice to see you guys embrace and to hear what both of you were saying about each other, the respect that he was giving you and, and you were giving him. Of course, he had more time to talk at the press conference and everything, but it was just a beautiful thing that you don't always see in other sports. Uh, and, and I was wondering if that's something that you had developed over the fight. Did you feel the same, same way as him? Like after the 25 minutes were over, were you, is that just a bond that we don't understand because we've never been in there before? Do you now have something, have you shared something with Daniel that for us regular people, it's, it's out of our comprehension? Uh, you know, uh, as you say, it, I think that, you know, it's, it's correct. That's, that's how it is. It's, you go in there and you just, Put everything you have in that octagon, and uh, and after that, you just you just share something with 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 that guy you fought, and and it's very hard for me also to put words on it, but it's, it's a special feeling, and you just have that much respect for for that guy, and uh, it's, it's I think it's one of those things that you have to you have to uh, you have to be you have to be in that situation to understand the feeling, you know, you, you get from that, so. Absolutely. Do you still love fighting as much as you did, say, before the John Jones fight? Uh, I do. I do. It's you know, it's who I am. It's my identity. So it's uh, I don't know what to do if I didn't fought, fought a fight. So uh, I believe I do. It's just that you know, it's you just need to keep keep growing as a fighter and as, as a person, you know, and, and uh, see what you're doing wrong and uh, see what you're doing right. And I'm the type of person that always have been taking the, the, the long road, you know, the tough road. So mm. I just learn always new things like from, from actually my, my mistakes. So it's just, it's just going to keep going and I just have to keep fighting. So, but I love the sport and, uh, and the, you know, I just, uh, and the team and, and everything, the, the whole thing is just, uh, it's just my life, you know. So you're not, you're not thinking about retirement anymore, right? Uh, no, no, I don't. I don't. I actually, uh, I don't. I just, I, I'm actually motivated and, you know, it just feels, feels great to be back in training and uh, doing what I love to do. And uh, and now they, 
they, I, I, I'm not allowed to fight for six months, so I've got some time to 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 see what to to look at my 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 training and my my, my system and then and, uh, and see what we can do better and uh, develop everything. What's a perfect scenario for you upon returning? Any specific place, opponent? Have you thought about that yet? No, no, not at all. No, um, no. I just, I just, I'm just doing fun training right now, and uh, that's all I'm doing. I don't, I don't think that much about the next opponent and the next competition. Uh, I'm, I'm, you know, I probably will in, in very soon, but right now I'm just, uh, just, uh, you know, I'm just happy doing. Doing that, that kind of training you want to do, and, and not you know, like forced to do. <laughs> right. This is they say this is when you get better, right? When you don't have a fight, when you're just in between camps, and you can just focus on yourself as opposed to an opponent, right? Exactly. Exactly. So that's what I'm going to put all my time and energy in. I've also noticed this, and I wanted to ask you about it. Uh, after the, the Rumble fight, it, you know, people, and, and I'll admit it myself, you know, questioning, why are you getting a title shot after a loss? And then you have this fight, and it's so close, but yet your respect, the respect that you've developed and, and earned from the people, once again, it was the same thing as after the Jones fight. Did you notice that? Like, still, at the end of the day, there are two losses, but the way people view you now is a lot different than the way they viewed you in January. Uh, well, yeah, you know... Uh, I got to say that uh, I've seen the, you know, I, you know, I got the support, and uh, I've been hearing from fans and and, and read it from fans, and and uh, you know, even if you, you know, it always it's always great to 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 deliver, to, you know, to all the fans around the world, and and uh, you know, and get that support is is really important. Uh, after Kumara, you know, I lost, uh, so it's it's been helping me a lot, and it motivates me. Uh, a, a lot, you know, in when it comes to future competitions and and and, and so, so on. So, did you talk to Dana and or Lorenzo after the fight? Did they say anything to you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They called me and they, they just they check out how how I felt and uh, you know uh, and uh, you know they gave me you know really really good you know feedback and uh, you know so I I got tons of support and. I really appreciate that, and it helps me to to keep going. Uh, you said that they told you they have big plans. Uh, what, what are these big plans that they have for you? Do you have any idea? I have no idea. I have <laughs> no idea. You that's didn't all, ask? All, that, that was, no, you know, I'm just, uh, in, in that moment when I talked to them, I wasn't that curious, you know. I was just, right. It was just after the fight and stuff like that. So, so I just, you know, I'm, I'm really, I'm, I'm, I'm really, now I'm curious. <laughs> Maybe we should call them up on the phone right now. Do you want to call them yeah, right now yeah. on the air? No, no, no. I'm good. I'm good. Okay. I'm, good. I'm, uh, I'm good. We can take it another day. Okay. Fair no, enough. I'm just. I'm. I'm. I'm curious about it, and and uh, I'm probably going to talk to them in the, in the future, and uh, I'm going to see what's what's going on, and uh, and the, the next step. Okay. Two last quick things. Uh, are you happy to hear that John Jones is back, and are you still hopeful that you'll get another shot against him? Yeah, I'm really happy and I'm glad for him and uh, I can't wait to see him compete again. And uh, yeah, let's see what the future brings. Maybe we have a, a second fight. Who knows? Yeah, that would be something. And uh, your teammate Reza Madadi came back on Saturday. Uh, long layoff for him. And of course, he didn't pick up the win. 
what were your impressions of his performance? Do you think the, the layoff affected him? What did you think? Uh, well, you know, it's he's been away for for a while, and uh, I think you know, even if he lost that fight, he still he went in there, and you know, he's been having some tough times, and uh, he's back, and and uh, you know, he just as always, just you know, he he put a good show for the fans, and uh, I'm sure you know after this loss, he's probably gonna he's gonna develop a lot too, and and get much better, and now he's he had his. His his first fight after the long layoff, so he's gonna he's gonna be back and he's gonna be better than ever. And uh, you know he he trains harder than anyone I know in, in the gym. So you know he's just gonna come back and and, uh, and you know and get that win. You know so. Alex, thank you very much for the time. You're you're a class act, my friend. And uh, again, congratulations on an amazing performance. Uh, one of the best fights of the year. Always a pleasure to talk to you. Always a pleasure to watch you fight. And looking forward to your return, my friend. Thank you. I appreciate that, my friend. Thank you. Take right. care. There he is. Alexander Gustafson, the, the mauler, stopping by. Uh, it's amazing. Two losses in a row, but it's, it's, a, much different, it's a much different Alexander Gustafson in, in the eyes of the fans and the media uh, than, than back in, in January when, you know, sometimes we've talked about this before, a loss doesn't do all that much to your reputation, to the way people view you, to your stock, so to speak. Um, and that was the case after UFC 192. What a great performance. Uh, I called it an instant classic. Uh, right below, in my opinion, Lawler versus McDonald. And, and in some way, I mean, you can make that argument for, for fight of the year. There's no doubt about it. I think in the end, as of right this second, that's, that's probably the fight that you, know, you should bet on to win that award. Um, but th this one, very close and a lot of fun to watch. And once again, oh so close, but there, there's no shame in being number two to the likes of John Jones and Daniel Cormier and pushing those guys to the brink, which is what he did on both occasions. A great ambassador for the sport in Europe and, of course, in his home country of Sweden. And uh, we appreciate him coming on and his manager, Tomas, for hooking us up as well. Okay, in a minute, we're going to be joined by Dustin Poirier. Interesting week for him. Uh, I was going through that at the beginning of the show, but I sort of lost my train of thought. Uh, of course, he was supposed to fight Joseph Duffy Saturday in Ireland. News breaks Wednesday afternoon that the fight is off. Joseph Duffy suffered a concussion Saturday night at TriStar. Kudos to the UFC. They were the regulating body. They were the commission. He had some tests, went to see some doctors. They determined that, yes, he did suffer what they called a mild concussion, and they pulled him from the fight. And that's got to be a tough thing to do. Uh, it's one thing for an athletic commission to do that. It's one thing for NAC or California or New Jersey to do that. It's another thing when the UFC is, is calling the shots. And there's no athletic commission in Ireland, so they had to do it themselves. And, uh, and, and, of course, they were going to get a lot of heat for it. And, yes, the tickets were sold already at that point. So, you know, there are fans who are going to... They're going to ask for refunds, but that, that's a tough thing, and that should tell you something about some of the people like Mark Ratner who you know, head up the, uh, the, the regulation side of things when they are the regulating body. So unfortunately for all those fans that were hoping to see Duffy versus Poirier Saturday in, in Ireland, they did not get that opportunity, uh, but hopefully we will get that fight in the near future because what a fight it is on paper. Now we're talking to Dustin Poirier. He is joining us via the Magic of Skype. Dustin, how are you, my friend? 
Good, man. What's going on? Uh, not much, and thank you for being flexible with the timing. I appreciate that greatly. You're in the car right now, so I'm assuming you're, you're back home. You come home from Ireland. You, you left to go to Ireland expecting to you know, have a fight, to have a, you know, a great performance in a main event. You come home you know, looking the same, no fight. Is, how, how empty of a feeling is that for you? Uh, you know, it, it, it's, it's, it's upsetting for sure. Uh, I flew all the way out there to fight Joseph Duffy. But, uh, you know, I'm staying positive, man. Uh, I just left the gym. Um, you know, this is, this is what I'm saying. I, I, my, my, a lot of people are saying you, you did 10 or 12 weeks of, of training and you, you let it, you know, go away or what this and that, whatever. But, uh, you know, that, that training wasn't done in vain, man. I got better and my game evolved. And, you know, on to what's next. Your reaction when they called you to tell you the fight was off, did you think that you were being pranked? Did, did you think that this was a bad joke? How did you react to it? You know, it was um, Wednesday night, pretty late, like 10 o'clock or so. Uh, I was starting my weight cut, and uh, I got a call to my hotel room, and it was one of the guys from UFC Europe, and he said, hey, Joe Silva's on my cell phone. He wants to talk to you. So immediately I was like, huh, this is kind of weird. This doesn't usually happen. I was thinking maybe Duffy was having problems with his weight or something like that. Um, I had no clue. But then when I talked to Joe Silva on the phone, he first thing he said was, hey, man, the fight is off, you know. And, and, and of course, the, the whole thing happened where they offered you some people and, and, and you said no. Was it right away that you said no, or did you talk to your team? How did you go about that? Yeah, um, they, they only offered me one person, and it was Norman Park. And uh, Joe needed kind of a, he needed an answer right there on the spot, but uh, he, he gave me a couple minutes to think about it, and, and he wanted me to call him right back. My team was there. I called my head coach back in Florida. Um, and they said, "Hey, reschedule the fight that that we trained for." Yeah, it was a pretty, it was a pretty easy decision for them. But me as a fighter, it was kind of tough for me, you know. Uh, after and I and I I, I I even didn't even get the chance to to talk to Joe and and really turn it down myself or anything. Mike Brown actually did it over the phone, and while he was doing it, we were still kind of I myself was still kind of you know on the fence. But uh, I got to trust my team, and and uh, you know the, the fight that I was there to fight got didn't happen. So. Um. After see, I know you were in attendance on Saturday. After seeing Norman's performance, were you thinking like, "Man, I should have just taken this fight," or are you one hundred percent at ease with the decision? No, I'm at ease with the decision. Before seeing him fight, I knew I knew he he was a boring fighter that I could have beat. You know, that wasn't the thing. It was just the whole principle of uh, the guy I was going to fight and the hype he had behind him and being in his hometown and and I trained twelve weeks for 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 that guy. You know, yeah. Norman's not a not a tough fight. Matter of fact, right now, I, before you call me, he's on Twitter saying all kinds of stuff. And, uh, dude, he should be happy he, he fought that guy he fought. Why? why? Why do you feel that way? Because he's been getting his walking papers this week. Okay. You would have smoked. I think his career. You should thank me. Um, it's always a funny thing when a guy's in you know, a location, agreed to fight in a cage, and now people are questioning you, like, oh, are you scared to fight? How, 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 does that make you want to like, just pull the very little hair that you have on your head? It's such a funny thing. Uh, yeah, you know, this is the thing. I, I, every time I've ever gotten in a cage, I, I've left it all in there, man. I'm willing to fight to the death every time I step in there. So for people to question my warrior spirit or I'm not a real fighter or this and that, it's just ridiculous, you know? But, hey, I'm growing up in my career. I, I'm, I'm surrounded by the right people. Everybody's saying, you know, that was a smart decision. You know, if I would think like, like fans think, I'd be broken brain dead and fighting everybody every weekend, mm. you know? 
hey, I'm a prize fighter and the prize wasn't right. So we came back home and we'll see what happens next. It's, you, it's that simple. I, I was there to hold up my end of the bargain. Right. Norman Park was there trying to save his career. You know, the, the fan reaction isn't all that surprising, but the part that bothers me and I want to get your reaction to it is when I see fellow fighters, fellow UFC fighters call you out saying, I would have taken this fight. I saw several do that. It, and, and that just reminds me that, you know, at the end of the day, the, these fighters, you know, they, no one looks at you guys are supposed to be this brotherhood. You're supposed to be this fraternity. I mean, if, if some, it's, if, to see an unranked fighter who, you know, has, has never fought on a main card, call you out, who's fighting in a main event, who's been around the block, who's fought in massive fights, and say, I would have taken that fight. Of course you would have taken that fight. You're one and one in the right. UFC. Or something. Does, that, does that not piss you off? Because it really pissed me off seeing that. Yeah, it, it does piss me off. But, you know, they're just, they see an opportunity to get their name on a, on a, on a you know, headline yeah. or something. They're just trying to jump, jump on an opportunity. And I understand that, you know, I understand that. But um, it's it's kind of ridiculous from my end. Uh, I saw some pictures of you and uh, Joe together in the lobby and whatnot. What did you say to each other when you saw him after this happened? Ah, you know, he was a gentleman the whole time, Ariel. Um, he told me he was he apologized. Um, even Rory McDonald came up to me in the hallway once and said he's sorry about all this happened. You know, hopefully we can get rescheduled this and that. But, uh, you know, that's the fight that I wanted and the fight that I prepared for. But after the fights, I ran into Joe's manager on the elevator, and he was telling me, you know, it seems like Joe might not be able to start training again for 30 or 45 days because of head trauma. And, and that being said, he, they, he's looking at, like, maybe February return, and this is coming from his manager. So we haven't followed up and found out the whole thing. This is just the last thing I've heard, and I don't want to wait till February. I need a fight. Yeah. You know? So, so uh, if, if that's the case, when would you like to return, and have you thought about anyone else yet? Um, you know, whoever they want me to fight, I haven't really thought about anyone else, but, you know, I, I kind of would like a big fight, yeah, for sure. But um, we'll just see how it plays out, man. Hopefully, Duffy gets cleared, and we can do this soon, you know, maybe January 2nd. But uh, we'll see what happens, man. We'll, we'll see what happens. Uh, considering your history... Norman Go ahead. Norman Park needs to Norman Park needs to stay off of Twitter before he before he gets himself in 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 a fight he he can't win. So, is this something that you would consider at this point, considering all that's been said? What's that? Like, let's say they come to you and say, "All right, we want you to fight Norman Park full training camp." Do you even consider that now? Uh, you know, I'd have to talk to my coaches, but the fighter in me, because he's talking and saying all yeah. this stuff now, makes me want to makes me want to whip his ass. Yeah. Uh, considering your relationship with Connor in the past, your history there, how did the Irish fans treat you over there? I mean, I had a great reception there. Everybody was really cool. Um, just walking around the city, people were running up to me, you know, far away from the venue, from the venue, on the trains and stuff out there. People were coming up to me. Uh, it, it was good, man. The fans really, really showed me a lot of love, I got to say. That's good. And, and, and what about being there in attendance on Saturday? How difficult was that for you? That was one of the, the, the craziest crowds that I've ever been in front of. Uh, you know, they, I've, I've read stuff about them saying what, what happened last time they were in Dublin and how crazy the crowd was. But whenever Ash Daling came out to fight and the Cranberries were playing, yeah. I, I had chills on my arms the way the crowd was standing up singing every word. Man, that was something special. No, I've, never, I've never been in a building that, that felt like that. Did it, did it kind of make you and, feel... And, and, Go ahead. And that being said, I was there when GSP fought uh, Jake Shields and there was like, you know, 
that I don't forget how many people were there, forty or fifty thousand people in that. It was it was crazier than that for me. Wow. Yeah, that was fifty five thousand Canadians. So you're saying ten thousand Irishmen louder than fifty five thousand Canadians. Yeah, everybody was in sync and on point and, and you could just feel the energy. It was it was a different it was a different atmosphere I've never been in front of. Did it make you feel worse? Like you're like, man, I wish I could be fighting in front of these people right now. Uh, a couple. Well, I was watching fights a couple of times. I was like, man, I, I could be doing feeling this energy and fighting in front of this these people. But you know, I stand by my decision. Yeah. Um. And how do you feel about him sparring seven days before the fight? Does that sound normal to you, or do you think that's too soon? My, you know, my last sparring session was the Tuesday before. Okay. Um. Not the fight week, the previous. Yeah, week. yeah. Yeah, and um, everybody does it differently. You know, I flowed uh, that the same day he got hurt Saturday. I, I was in the gym flowing with guys, but maybe it was a mix of it. I doubt he was in there, full sparring, throwing you know hard punches and kicks. They were probably just moving around, and you know, one wrong move a certain way, and and you can get cracked. So uh, maybe it was his training partner's fault, or I, I'm not sure who did it or whatever. But I heard it was a kick. You know, um, a shin or a knee to the head when you're moving down, even if it's not hard, can can be can be serious. Were you surprised that he was removed from the fight because the UFC, you know, were the athletic commission on this card? What I heard is when they when they first told me is that originally Saturday when it happened, he did some uh, you know some tests and got approved there in Canada, and the doctor said he was clear. But when he showed up to to uh, Ireland, they wanted further testing and he didn't pass those tests. So I don't know what's going on really with the whole thing. I just felt like um, I would have been. I, I just if it's not the UFC's fault, but I wish they would have called me the week before the fight and said, "Hey, we still want you to come out here. We're planning on you fighting Joseph Duffy, yeah. but be prepared to take an alternate fight." That way, it wouldn't have been such a shocker to me the day before the fight. Yeah. You know, I would have been like knowing that in the back of my head. Uh, I know Dana was there. Did you have a chance to talk to him? I talked to him on the phone the day before he got there and he told me, he said, Hey kid, we're going to try to reschedule this fight. If you really think you want to fight, you really think you have to fight. We have a fight for you. If not, don't feel like the show's riding on your shoulders. That was his exact words. Hmm. So, and then I saw him fight night and he said, Hey man, sit back, relax and enjoy these fights. That was pretty much it. Did you, did you feel like that was something that, you know, it was a nice thing from saying, in other words, if he would have said to you, I really need you to stay on this uh, on this car. Would you have just done it, even though it didn't make sense? If Dana and Joe were telling me, "Hey, we really need you here on this on this card. Do us a solid and 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 stay on the card," you know, I, I probably would have done it. But it, that wasn't the vibe I was getting. It was, "We'll reschedule this thing. Shit happens." That's the vibe I was kind of yeah. getting. I noticed you said on Twitter that uh, they told you if you took the uh, the the park fight, you would have been the co-main event. Why is that? Do you have any idea? Yeah. I have no clue, but that's what I, that's what I was told. Huh? That's... It would have been three rounds, and I would have been co-main. Did that did that factor in your decision at all? Uh, I don't I don't I don't know. You know, I'm I'm not sure. We were back and forth with the decision. We were on the fence. Me, Mike Brown, and my boxing coach. Then we called my main coach, uh, Campus Barzini, back in Florida, who's who was you know running Robbie Lawler's camp right now. And he said, pack your bags and come home. And I, and I said, okay. Did I you, take his word for gold, man. Yeah. Did you consider coming home and not sticking around? No, no. I, I knew I was going to stay. You know, my wife was, was in the air at the time on the way to, to Ireland. And, uh, you know, it was just, I was already out there. I might as well stay there. Right. Wow. So your wife landed and found out the news? 
She uh, she was actually at the airport before. Oh, gosh. And I, I I skyped her. I skyped her, and uh, she was she was pretty supportive. You know, she said, "Hey, do whatever you and uh, your coaches thinks right." And oh, at first, at first she said, "I don't like it." I don't. I said they offered me a replacement. She's like, "I don't like it." Then she said, "Do what you thinks right." And um, I saw her the next morning. Um, and would you say that this was the toughest decision of your career? Uh, I feel like I did the right thing. You know, yeah. I, it's, it's hard to say. It's hard to say. And, and and by the way, in case I, I wasn't clear, you didn't hear me prior. I think you did 100%. The, you made the right choice. 100%. It means not even a question. Uh, and I give you a lot of credit. But tough because you know that all these people are going to come out and question you and question your 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 warrior spirit and all this nonsense. I'm happy that people like you are making these decisions now because it shows that this is a real sport and not rock'em sock'em robots. So I think you want to, but I just wanted to know if you were torn because you're there, you invested all this time, if it was tough in that sense. Right. Yeah, it was. It was. You know, I was not too far off from weight. I did a whole camp. I yeah. was there going through all the motions. I did a few workouts already the days leading up. You know, I was in the zone and I was in the groove ready to fight. Um, going through the fight process, a fight week. And, and it was kind of tough. But, uh, you know, sitting back, like, when stuff like this happens to, to guys and I see it, I'm, I'm just thinking, like, that's crazy, man. That's crazy. But I, I didn't think it was going to happen to me, not that close to a fight. Like, when, it, when Woodley's fight got pulled off, yeah. and I know it happened to Nick Lentz a few times. And I see it and read the headlines. I'm thinking that this is ridiculous. I can't think what these guys are going through, but and it finally happened to me, you know. Has this ever happened to you even before the UFC? No, no, wow. never, man. Well, uh, I thought you handled it very well. So kudos to you, and you made the right decision. Uh, you know, if, if, if for whatever it's worth, I, I think you 100% made the right decision. Uh, sorry, it worked out this way. Uh, I appreciate you coming on, and I hope you get the fight very soon. Always great to see you, and I want to see you continue that winning streak at 155. It's been great as of late. Thanks, man. Yeah, I, I feel great, and, uh, you know, I have no injuries, so I just I actually just left the gym. I'm right here in the in the grocery store parking lot. Oh. Um, I'm already back in the gym, so we'll get something lined up, you know. And, and I really, Ariel, I, I, I want to thank you. Thanks for your support, man. It means a lot. I feel like I made the right decision, and anybody who questions my warrior spirit, let's line up a fight, and I'll show you it in person. Go to the fight yeah. and see what happens live. No. Well said. Thank you, Dustin. All the best to you. We'll talk to you soon. Thank you, man. All right, there he is, Dustin Poirier. Uh, I, I think a decision like that is is what actually makes the sport better. It, it, it shows the evolution of the sport. You know, we may be used to back in the day, um, guys, you know, taking fights like that. And look, if someone wants to take a fight, their prerogative. Go ahead, take the fight. Uh, you have your reasons. You have bills to pay. I'm not going to begrudge anyone for doing that, but I certainly don't think anyone should be criticized for not taking a fight on three days' notice against an opponent they did not prepare for, uh, flew, you know, flew all the way there to fight someone, and then the rug gets pulled under you. Uh, that's, that's the kind of decision a professional athlete should and needs to make, and uh, we're seeing this more and more. We're seeing this more and more out of these pro athletes. That's, that's actually... A good sign. That's actually reassuring. Um, so I'm not saying that Dustin, you know, I wouldn't tell someone like Dustin Poirier if I was in his corner, like, you know, you're making the wrong decision by taking this fight if it's offered to you. But I will say that I'm happy a guy like him who has won. I mean, it's, it's understandable that a lower-ranked guy would want that fight. Why wouldn't he? This is the kind of opportunity. That's why Charlie Brenneman took the Rick Story fight. 
But in hindsight, I don't think Rick's story should have taken that fight. I don't think John Jones needed to take the Chelsea Center fight. And on and on it goes. So I actually think that this is a, a reassuring sign, a good sign. It's, it's a sign of the times. It's a sign that the sport is moving in the right direction. Anyone questioning Dustin Poirier is, is just being an ass. Uh, let's move along. Uh, let's talk to someone who had a fantastic night on Saturday, one of the great stories of Saturday in Dublin. And it was great that uh, as a veteran and a pioneer um, for, for that part of the world, that she got to have that moment. I'm talking about Ashling Daly, who joins us right now via the phone. Ashling, how are you? I'm awesome, thank you, Ariel. I'm actually joining you guys from a small little old man pub in Dublin, celebrating my sister's birthday in front of an open fire. So um, thanks very much for having me on. <laughs> oh, thank you. I'm sorry that we're uh, we're interrupting the birthday party. Happy birthday to your sister! But I appreciate you coming on, especially after a big weekend. Thank you so much. No problem at all. I wouldn't have missed this for the world. Um, so, so okay. There's so much I, I want to talk to you about, but I, the the first thing is is you know you you got to uh, watch the the. I, call, I keep calling it the first show in Dublin, but it's really the second. You get what I'm trying to say. You got to watch it when you were in the, the house yeah, yeah. for The Ultimate Fighter. And we've talked about in the past how difficult that was for you. I'm sure you dreamt about it. I'm sure you dreamt about walking out there and being in front of your people. But, you know, w- w- was that beyond your wildest dreams, what you experienced on Saturday? Honestly, it was far beyond my expectations completely. You know, it was kind of the stuff of legend from the the show that happened in the Ultimate Fighter House, you know, all the guys spoke about it, the crowd and how amazing the experience was, but nothing prepared me for what exactly happened on that night. To have tens of thousands of people singing along to my walkout music and to, to feel the energy from the crowd as I was walking out it was absolutely phenomenal. I still can't get my head around it now. Like I said, I'm here with my family now and I'm just back to, to normal life and I, it almost feels like somebody else that made that walk on Saturday night rather than, than me. I feel a little bit like it was an out-of-body experience. It was it was absolutely amazing. I can't I can't really put into words what it felt. What's going through your mind as as all that is happening, especially for someone who's been around the sport? You, like 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 Peter Carroll said at the top, you you are a pioneer. You've been doing this since you know back in the day when there were only probably five people training MMA in Ireland, and, and you get to make that walk in front of your people, and they're they're singing along, they're cheering you on. Are you are you are you able to even understand what is happening? Are you getting too emotional? What's happening in your mind? To be honest, I was just thinking to myself, "Wow!" I was like, "This is absolutely insane." But then there's a little voice in the back of my head going, "Okay, focus at the job at hand. Take it in. Enjoy this moment. Savor what you can see. Give yourself another five or ten seconds to enjoy it, and then we're back to blanking out everything and going about business because." I could feel the emotions from the crowd were running so high. I didn't want those emotions to sway me too much either way. I didn't want to be overwhelmed by the occasion because ultimately I haven't done anything yet. I haven't achieved anything. Walking out is the, the easy part to fight. It's the hard part to, to come in front of me. So I was just trying to keep my emotions in check to give my best performance. And then obviously when the decision and stuff was announced and you know, I just couldn't keep it together anymore. I was up on the side of the octagon, balling my eyes out with, with pride and happiness. And, you know, the floodgates opened, as they say. Uh, you, you bum-rushed her right as the fight started. You went right for her. You made a beeline. Was that the plan 
from the beginning or was that your emotions? I think it was a little bit of a combination of both. You know, my coach had given me instructions to kind of go all school, you know, look for the clinch, look for some dirty boxing, aggressive takedowns, aggressive ground and pound. You know, he had given me a few kind of set combinations that he wanted me to walk to close the distance, but just with the level of excitement and the level of hype and honestly just how good I felt going into the fight, it was just, it was very difficult for me to kind of almost stick to the, the game plan for the first few seconds. It was kind of that diving board analogy. I felt like I was on the side of the diving board, just got, <laughs> and then suddenly, you know, I hit the water and I was swimming and, as soon as I could kind of get hands on her, I kind of settled a little bit and I was a little bit calmer. And, and to be honest, it was one of the, the few fights I've had where I actually knew exactly what was going on. Like, I, I remember pretty much everything about the fight as the exchanges were happening, as we were going through the different positions. I, I was thinking, talking to myself. The actually only two voices I could hear in the crowd were my coach and Connor's. Uh-huh. And Connor was in a completely different part of the arena. And his voice was at a completely different pitch, but I could still hear him. It, it was bizarre. I guess it's just um, familiarity. So, so, so being so close to my coach and being so close to Connor, it's just the only two voices I could tune into of everybody in the arena. I was just about to ask you about that because it was great to watch it. He was standing up. I don't know if you noticed that, and he was cheering you on and, 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 and obviously shouting out instructions. Uh, is, is that even helpful? You know, like, is he, is he actually telling you things, or is it more just encouragement? No, he, his, his instructions are actually really clear and concise, and they're, they're good openings for the positions, particularly towards the end of the third round. There was a moment where... Um, you know, I, I had good posture and I had good control of her feet. And um, I heard Connor shout straight left to the body. And, you know, w- within a second, that's what I had thrown. I had thrown a, a hard straight left to the body. So uh, they were definitely good instructions. What What was your mindset like going in after seeing what happened to Kyle Pendred? Did that mess you up at all? To be honest, I, I really just tried to pretend like I didn't see that. Obviously, I'm warming up in the back. I can see the, the, the screens and, you, you know, I saw the finish at the end and, you know, my, my heart did break a little bit seeing, seeing my friend and teammate like that, but I, I really had to just put it to the back of my mind and, and know that I had work to do and that I had business to take care of and and that I could um, I could come back to that afterwards. You know, obviously, we're, we're a very close team or we're, we're like more of a family than, than just a team, so... It did definitely bother me, but, you know, at the end of the day, when the octagon door closes, we're, we're alone in there, so we're trying as hard as we can as a team, and we support each other, but, but we're alone come fight time, so I really just had to focus on myself at that point. So, um, you know, I spoke to Cottle afterwards, and he, he was physically good, but obviously definitely threw his pride and upset and all those kind of things, but... Uh, you know, he, he knows what the game is like. You know, we all have our nights. There's been nights where all the guys have had, taken wins and I've been the one to lose or whatever. So it's just the name of the game. I think Connor put it perfectly with his sweet. You know, the nature of the game is bittersweet and sometimes it's your night and sometimes it's not. So a lot was made uh, going into the fight about your uh, your weight cut and your nutrition, your physique. It appeared like you were in great shape. Uh, on weigh-in day and that you weren't struggling at all. What was the difference this time around? Definitely the difference this time was uh, I, I have a new nutritionist, a girl called Lindsay Doyle. 
she's a, a competitive athlete herself and obviously being a woman she just has a better understanding of a woman's body and how weight cuts affect women and I've been training my ass off for the fight and my weight just wasn't coming down you know I was plateauing I was having a really tough time in training and in the space of three weeks she managed to really turn the whole outlook of that camp around because anybody who knows me knows that I'm a phenomenally hard worker it's not a case of me not working hard it's just a case of me not really having the formula right and and pretty much she is the formula you know a lot of the stuff I, I was doing she she just changed it around she thought some of the stuff I was doing was crazy you know basically the way she described it is be kind to your body and your body will be kind to you it'll mm. do what you want it to do whereas I was kind of of the old school mentality of almost just keep smashing your body till it breaks or you know eventually something it might work that way so she just encouraged me to be kinder to myself and changed up my routine and uh, honestly the performance on the night uh, a lot of it was down to her you know I put the work in training but, but she gave me the plan to follow and it was one of the best performances of my career you know when it came to the bell ringing at the end of round three I honestly was disappointed that there wasn't more rounds left I felt so good in between rounds you know it's where you see a fighter jog back to their, their corner in between rounds. Usually they're kind of savoring the break, but honestly, I, I felt fantastic. I feel like she's given me a, a new body, you know. I feel like I'm driving a Ferrari now where, you know, before that I was probably driving an old dentist, density <laughs> up car, you know. I, I was honestly getting to the point where I was wondering where the, was there too many miles on, on the clock, you know, had I been around the game a little bit too long. And honestly, now I'm just rejuvenated that. Uh, with that taken care of, which was the big issue for me all along, you know, being one of the bigger girls at 115. So to have the cut down to pretty much perfection now at this point is, it's just going to change the game for me, you know. And I think that was a, a, a good performance I had the other night. And I'm only going to get better now, you know what I mean? Like I said, she only had three weeks to walk with me coming up to this fight. When you guys see me again, when she's had months to walk with me, I, I'm, I'm so excited to see what she's going to be able to do with me. It was obvious that the fight meant a lot to you. We all knew that. No surprise there. Do you remember telling yourself in between the second and third round, like, I cannot lose this. This will be devastating. What, did, you, did you allow yourself to think that way? No, definitely. I never doubted myself for a second in that fight. I, I, I never thought that I was losing, you know, even in what some people would probably call a bad position, you know, maybe when she had my back in the fight. I knew she definitely wasn't going to finish me. And I knew that she wasn't actually getting anything, you know. She was on the back, but she wasn't capitalizing on the position. She wasn't landing. And if anything, she was being beat up. You know, I, I had good wrist control, and I was landing some heavy shots. Watching the fight back, I could see the frustration on her face because she has the dominant position where she's taking the most damage. Honestly, for a second during that fight, I, I never doubted myself. I was winning. In my mind, I was winning every moment. And I felt so good and I was so focused and so determined that um, I, I never had any pressure on myself. I was just enjoying the whole experience, you know, even just moments where maybe I was looking to, to capitalize on the position, maybe get the pass. You know, she was doing a really good job of working her open guard and her up kicks. And I was like, okay, well, I'm having trouble passing the legs here. It's not happening. But what can I damage in the meantime, you know? So... Everybody knows what it's like when they're, they're sparring and you accidentally clip somebody's elbow with your shin. So I was like, hey, why not just elbow her in the shin and see what happens, you know? 
all those little injuries that would suck when you get them in training. I was like, well, they're the only targets I have right now, so let's see what I can do with them. Um, you know, you said something very interesting after the fight, uh, and, and, and I really give you a lot of uh, respect for your honesty, and, and I love hearing that emotion, even though it was not the most positive thing. You said you, you, you kind of watched your teammates. You were afraid that you were going to be left behind. They had this moment. You couldn't experience that moment. Uh, and I don't know if you've talked about this before. I, I, I think, you know, Peter said that you may have talked about it in interviews, but I missed that, so it was news to me. How strong were those emotions? Did it really bother you that you couldn't get to, to you know, have that moment in the sun like they all did? Uh, I know to a degree it was something that you Yay. were struggling with, but did you really feel like you were being left behind? Yes, definitely. Like, you know, the guys became a household name. You know, the, the guys were earning money based off of last year, you know, whether it was, you know, signings or... TV stuff, like, all the guys were household names. If you, if you spoke about mixed martial arts, everybody knew Paul Pendridge, Paddy Houlihan, Conor McGregor, and nobody knew who I was, you know. Sometimes it'd be a case of people not even knowing that I trained in the sport. Oh, do you do that as well? Like, you know, like, I, I just had no, no acknowledgement for any of my achievements or my participation in getting to the sport to the level that it, it is at in the country now. So it, it was, it was difficult for me to deal with that. You know, anybody who's a competitive athlete has an ego, some bigger than others, but I definitely do. You know, you don't want to be the best in the world and not have an ego. So it was hard for me to kind of see all the success for the guys. Definitely not in a begrudging way, but just in a way, like, I want that for myself also. I'm super happy that they are getting so much success. Well, I won some of that for me too. So, uh, and the way it all kind of panned out in the end, uh, I guess it was almost better for me to not be on the fourth show because I probably would have been lost in the mm. madness. Whereas the way things worked out on Saturday, it gave me the opportunity to steal the show. And I think a lot of the media and stuff coming up to it, it really let people get to know me. And as well as that, I think people got to see what I came through, you know, I'd been through a lot of kind of personal struggles and stuff over the last while, you know, with the ultimate fight or even before that, mental health problems, all that kind of stuff. So it really was one of those kind of stories that I think a lot of people could relate to and take something from, you know, here's this girl who had all this trouble, she had these problems, she wasn't doing as well as she wanted, even though she was working hard and now things have come good for, you know what I mean? It's like hard work pays off, positivity pays off. That kind of idea of just being happy and grateful and supportive and trying to bring happiness to those around you and then it'll come back to you in the end. How are things going with that? Do you feel like you've uh, you, you've conquered that issue or is it still something that you're dealing with, the mental health issues? I definitely feel like I, I'm, I wouldn't say past it. I think if you've ever struggled with those kind of issues, there'll always be a little bit there that you have to monitor. Maybe you're, you're going to have bad days. Maybe you're going to have bad spells. You just have to keep an eye on things. But honestly, I just feel almost renewed as a person. The way I keep describing it to people is like, I feel like I'm 18 again. I feel like I've, I've just torn pro. I feel like I've just gotten started in the sport again. That's how excited I am about it. You know, like earlier on today, uh, we had a fantastic seminar at our gym 
uh, Ryan Hall on the current season of the Open of Fire teaching a seminar. You know, I wanted to go to the gym to train, and my coach was like, mm, maybe just take the day off the mat, just watch. Like, but that's how excited I am. You know, I had such a great win on Saturday night, and I'm, I'm back to the gym Monday trying to learn, trying to improve. You know, I want to be the, the best strawweight on the planet. I want to be the most well-rounded on the planet. So uh, one of the things I thought to myself at certain points during the fight on Saturday night was, I wish I had a decent footlock. Maybe mm. I'd footlock this girl since I can't pass a guard. So, so I was checking out Ryan Hall's footlock game today. You know, maybe I'll bust one out in my next fight. I know you're very close with Patty Houlihan. Uh, it was a tough night for him. It was uh, it was emotional to seem like that after uh, the fight. What a tremendous fight it was. A great performance. I thought they both deserved a bonus. Um, what was that like for you? Such an exciting moment, such a great moment, but then to see your friend like that. To be honest, it was heartbreaking for me. You know, when, when, when I came in after my fight, I just went into the changing room. I wished Paddy luck. And, you know, because we were mixed around on the card and stuff from weeks out, we had already kind of agreed that we wouldn't be in each other's corners just, you know, to, to save any hassle and paperwork needed to be done and stuff. So one of the rules in our team is kind of to win or lose that we just, we, we leave the changing room alone for the other person to get the job done. You know, we don't want to distract them or influence them in any way, positive or negative. So uh, I wish them luck and, uh, you know, that all the things that you say to your friend before they go out to have the biggest fight of their life. And then I, then I watched on a screen in the green room and he had a phenomenal first round. Honestly, uh, I, I thought he was going to finish the fight in the first round. And sometimes, think you, you know, you just get, get caught or there's that one shot and things just went it went off off game plan after that and you know when I, when I saw the finish of the fight I, I just I just started crying I just had bawling my eyes out in the middle of the green room I, I couldn't really keep myself together for that you know to see your your friend like that and knowing how much all that means to them and how much work they've put in and to see it knock out away it was just it, it was really hard but at the same time, I know Paddy, and I know he'll be back stronger. And you know, he he picked me up enough times, and I'll pick him up this time and, and dust him off, and we'll we'll be back to the gym together, and we'll we'll be improving. You know, because like I said, we're we're not just teammates; we're we're more like family. You know, it felt like part of me was out there in the fight, so it was it was very hard to watch. But um, Paddy's such a humble guy, and. Uh, one of the things that I'm really unhappy about at the moment is the people who are taking this opportunity to to just kind of dig the knife in and twist it a little bit unnecessarily. I've seen some negative comments from from other fighters and fans and stuff, and they, they, they don't have a right. There's nobody more humble than Paddy. There's no nicer guy than Paddy. So for people to be trying to make out as if Paddy was cocky and arrogant and mm. wasn't somehow served up some humble pie or whatever... You know, that's, that's just not true. It's not accurate. You'll never meet anybody more humble, more gracious than Paddy. So um, uh, I doubt I can say anything to change it, but it would be pretty nice if those people would take a step back uh, and, and try and put themselves in, in that position. And, you know, if you don't have anything nice to say, don't say anything at all. Well said. I saw those exact comments myself, and I was surprised. I, I think... Uh... Uh, those people. I mean, I, I would I would agree with everything you just said about the man. I, I've known him only for a brief amount of time, but a special guy, and, and definitely 
one of the more humble athletes I've ever come across. So that was disappointing to see as well, especially in a low moment for him. Uh, just a couple more questions for Ashling Daly, and then we'll let her get back to her uh, birthday party again. Thank you so much for for the time. Um, speaking no of problem, my love. Uh, speaking of negative comments, uh, Claudia Gadelia took to Twitter to uh, to uh, I guess uh, what did the kids say? Put some shine over over your win. I, I don't know if that's a term that they use over in Ireland, but she she didn't seem all that impressed. What did you make of her comments? Um, to be honest, I think it was just jealousy, you know. I'm having this phenomenal moment with my whole country standing beside me, supporting me. And, you know, she's not having that. Nobody's paying attention to her. Or, you know, she's fought in Brazil a whole heap of times and nobody in her country really cares about her. So, you know, for me, it was just trying to um, steal a bit of my limelight, I guess. That's the way I'd see it. Um, I honestly don't really pay too much attention to Claudia's comments. I, I think she's a bit of a hothead. I think she just kind of overreacts to things, takes things, you know, more serious than they need to be taken. For me, at the end of the day, this is a support, and I'm just trying to be the best I can be. And I have to compete against others as a way of measuring myself. That's the way I've always looked at this sport. So I actually have no personal feelings towards Claudia, I've no anger towards her. I've, I, I genuinely don't feel anything towards her. So if the fight wants to be booked, you know, if the matchmaker sees fit, then let's do it. If not, you know, bring me on whoever else. But I don't have time or energy to get into Twitter battles like that. And to be honest, I just think it's so negative. You know what I mean? It's like I was saying earlier, like I've come so far and I have just a new positive outlook on life that. I have this, like, little bubble, and everything in it to me is just happy and positive, and I'm so proud of myself, and I'm so grateful for the good people I have around me, and I feel so privileged to have these opportunities in front of me. To be able to make a living from my dreams is absolutely amazing to me. I'm just so happy. So to have somebody like Claudia just kind of trying to make negatives in the background, you know, What's the, what's the point, you know, to give that time and to give that energy, to let that live rent-free in my head for for any reason would just be a waste of happiness. And, you know, life is short. Why do you want to waste any seconds of happiness? Would you say that Saturday night was one of the best moments, if, the, if, if not the best moment of your life? I definitely think it was the best experience of my life. Uh, I can say that far and on. I've never felt anything like that. And I don't think I'll ever feel anything like that again. You know, some people have said to me, like, oh, well, would you not feel like that about a title or something like that? I'm like, yes, I still want to get that belt. I still am so motivated to go get it. But it was just different. It was a different kind of achievement. That, to me, was, you know, recognition from your country for work you've done, whereas a belt will be recognition by the sport and the rankings and all that kind of stuff. It'll just be different, but definitely amazing. But just some experience, like, I don't know if you, you got to see the video of the, the walkout and yeah. stuff, but it was just, it was just crazy. Like, uh, to be singing along to your own entrance music and have 10,000 people sing the words back at you and to feel every single person in the room willing you on to win is just, I can't even describe it. And like I said, unless 
there's a title fight happening in Dublin again. I don't think I'll ever get that experience again. And I think it's going to be one of those things that I'm going to be sitting with my grandchildren, gathering them all around, telling them about the time I fought in Dublin. And they're all going to be rolling their eyes going, okay, Granny Ash, <laughs> stop telling us this story. We've heard it ten times already. And I'll be, like, taking out the scrapbook of the newspaper curtains and whatever newfangled technology they have at the time. They'll be, like, super bored playing with their holograms or something. That's beautiful. I, I love that. Well, by the way, one last thing. Um, just out of curiosity, is there any specific reason why that song means so much to you or Ireland? Is there is there something that I don't know about? It, it's, it's basically a, a song about the trouble and the 1916 rising and it, it's just kind of like a war anthem. It, it means a lot of different things to a lot of different people but it's basically about the, the strife of our, our country, different things that the country has been through, you know, between civil wars, everything. It's just one of those songs that I think it has a lot of meaning to different people individually, different verses in the song talk about different points in Irish history, but um, it's basically like a war anthem, you know, kind of about the, the pointlessness of war and the damage it causes and, you know, and at the same time, it is a little bit about fighting with the demons in your own head, you know. Mm. So it, it just it means a lot of different things to a lot of different people, and it's just it's such a well-known song. You know, the Cranberries are such a huge band over here that it, it does mean a lot to me. Uh, I really feel like it focuses me, but, you know, it, it means something to nearly each individual person when they hear it. Well, you know, Ashling, a, a lot of people give me crap sometimes for saying, oh, I get too excited about the Irish fighters, or this is a story that I've talked about too much. What you've just said to us in the last 20 minutes is is exactly why I feel the way I do about you fighters in particular. Just just such fascinating people, but just such good people. And it's so nice to see you you you, you get so emotional about this moment, how much it meant to you, and see that you know a professional athlete can still get touched by these moments and 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 see it you know see your life change in front of our eyes. It's a beautiful thing, and I'm so happy that you got to experience it. I'm happy for you that you won. And uh, I'm looking forward to this new Ashling Daily with your nutritionist and seeing where you go from here. More importantly, uh, thank you so much for the time. Enjoy your birthday party. Happy birthday to your sister. And, and enjoy that victory. You deserved it. You, you deserved that moment. And I'm happy you got to get it finally. Thanks so much for having me on, Ariel. Honestly, it was a pleasure and I wouldn't have missed it for the world. Thanks so much for all the nice things you said. And uh, thank you so much to all the fans. You know, I've gotten such an amazing response and... Honestly, I'm completely overwhelmed, and I appreciate everything that I'm here, and it's, it's fantastic. Enjoy it. We'll talk to you soon. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. There she is, Ash the Bash, joining us. So happy that she uh, was able to make some time at the last minute. Great stuff, and we congratulate her on her win. November 7th, the UFC returns to Brazil. Huge fight on that card, co-main event. It's Pat Cummins versus Glover Teixeira, and he joins us right now via the Magic Skype. There he is, our old pal Pat Cummins, who for a second I thought had forgotten about us. I think it's been over a year since you've been on this show. Pat, where have you been? I miss you guys. Yes. Well, I've, been busy. I've been busy in Brazil all the time. <laughs> <laughs> yes, they, they like to have you out there, and we'll talk about that. Um, the Skype is a little pixelated, but I can see you. Uh, what's going on with your eyes? Do you have two black eyes? Listen, if I'm... If I'm not beat up in training camp, I'm not ready for the fight. So I'm all, I, always, I always have something. So this is typical for you? Yeah. I, I don't know what it is. I think I, I think I just mark up really easily. 
Okay. At least I like to, I like to think that. I can I, I, now. I'm happy that I got to see you. I'm happy we got to talk about the eyes, but the audio is just a little messed up. So if you don't mind, can we call you on your phone so I can hear you better? Yeah, absolutely. Okay, uh, we're gonna call Pat on his phone because the audio is a little uh, distorted and uh, pixelated, and I, and I want to hear from the guy. Although it was good to see him, um, and it has been some time. What a huge fight this is for Patrick Cummins, co-main event of of a very big show against a, a formidable opponent, an opponent who just beat the last man to defeat him. That was Ovin St. Preux, Glover Teixeira, former title contender, former title challenger, lost to John Jones at UFC 172. The UFC puts Pat through tough fights. Very tough fights. And this one's no different. Uh, the man has, has not had an easy road in the UFC. There's no doubt about that. Of course, we all remember he took that fight against Daniel Cormier on short notice um, and has rebounded quite well. Is he on the line? Pat, are you there? I'm here. There he I'm is. There. Um, okay, let's talk about this fight. Were you surprised when you got Glover to share in Brazil? A little bit, yeah. Um, it, it, we we kind of, I mean, it's the same thing, we, we do it every time. We, we go through and look, okay, who, who could possibly be next? And, um, you know, as we progress, it, you know, the window is, is smaller and smaller. So we kind of looked through and we thought, man, there's really no one available right now. And we, we thought of Glover as a, as a possibility, but, um, yeah, I mean, we, we didn't really, I was like, ah, I'm not sure if, the, if, if, they'll, if they'll put me there. Um, and, and then I just thought, well, if, if not, um, you know, we're, we're looking at a, a kind of a long layoff. And I like to stay active. Um, I like to think that experience is, is the most important thing for me. And, um, yeah, I felt very fortunate to, uh, to get this fight. Is it is it not true that they actually discussed this fight back in June when Gustafson pulled out and they needed someone in New Orleans? Yeah, that is true. Um, yeah, they they uh, they talked about it. We said, yeah, we'll absolutely do that, and um, and then they decided to uh, to to take another course of action. But uh, we you know actually after that we kind of thought, well, there's a better possibility because they offered that. Um, right. You know, prior. In other words, it seems like they've wanted to book you against Glover for quite some time. Do you have any idea why? Um, no, no. <laughs> I think I actually think um, I think this fight's a great matchup, and I think it's it really it's kind of it, it's two guys that I, I believe are the are the hardest working guys in the weight class, and you know, there's, there's really no quit in either of us, and I think. That kind, of, that kind of makes for a special matchup and, and a really an interesting fight. How do you feel about going back to Brazil? Uh, it's like uh, it's like going back to the old playground again. I mean, <laughs> seems like seems like I'm always there now. So it's it's uh, it's less of an issue now. You know, yeah. initially it was it was kind of like ah man, that's a lot of travel. We got to go into kind of enemy enemy territory and. Um, but now, you know, I, I feel kind of seasoned. I've been down there quite a bit. Uh, I, feel, I feel good about it. This is your third time fighting in Brazil. The last time was back in August. You defeated Rafael Feja. What a great performance that was. What a great win. Thus far, I know it's, it's a relatively short career, but does that one stick out? Is that the best in your mind thus far? Yeah, that's, that's definitely the most emotional win I've had because I, I think it kind of, it kind of unlocked something in me, mm. and um, 
you know, I just, I, I really started to feel much more comfortable and, um, just, it, it's hard to explain. And I, I, I look, I look back on it and I thought, man, you know, this makes a lot of sense. That's my 10th fight. Um, and, and it just, it seems like to, to me, that's, that's the number, you know, I needed, I needed that much experience and now I can really start to feel comfortable and really, really, uh, increase my, my, uh, my potential out there. You know, I, I feel like, I've been kind of producing maybe 50, 60% of what I can, what I can do uh, when, it, when it comes to competition. So now, now I'm really expecting to, to jump to the next level. So you say that it unlocks something in you. What, what needed to be done to get it unlocked, and what was unlocked? You know, I, I really, I'm not exactly sure. Okay. I'm, I'm not a very, I'm not a really emotional guy when it comes to, you know, I, I always sit back and, and watch guys and they'll celebrate their victory and, you know, kind of go crazy for a minute. And I, I always think, man, you should go out there expecting to win. Like, what do you do? You know, why are you doing that? And it really, my, my kind of celebration just really took me off, off guard and just, uh, I just freaked out for a minute and I, you know, I don't really remember doing it. <laughs> And uh, I, I think that's kind of I need to tap into that emotional side and uh, to, to really um, to really do what I'm capable of. Did it have anything to do with the OSP fight that you were coming off of? That was you know obviously disappointing and and, and not how you expected it to go. Um, was it be, were you feeling feeling that pressure? Were you trying to get that monkey off your back? Basically, did one have anything to do with the other? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I, I think I think people a lot overlook the, the the amount of pressure put on guys, especially coming off a loss. And uh, yeah, you you put the pressure on yourself too because you you know at least I do. I I expect myself to win every time I step in there, and when it doesn't happen, it's devastating. And it really you, you just want so badly to get back in there and and right that wrong. And um, you know that, that's that's basically what happened. So I think, yeah, it was a combination of everything. Because you sort of came in through the back door after a, a long struggle of, you know, not finding fights, you take the Cormier fight on very short notice. Have you constantly felt the need, even though you're, what, one, two, three, four, five, six fights in, to prove yourself, to prove that you belong? You know, two in a row, people start questioning. I mean, even after the OSP fight, people are questioning you, whether or not you belong. If you're just, they, they still stuck on this barista thing, even though that was a very short-lived job to begin with. Do you constantly feel the need to prove to people that you actually belong and you are, in fact, a UFC fighter, one that, you know, has earned the right to be there? Um, you know, initially, I, I've kind of felt like that was the case. You know, one or two fights after my, after my debut, I really felt like, man, I, I need to prove this to everybody because I, you know, I knew myself that I can go in there and compete and, and do well. Um, but I think, I think now more so it's, I, I've kind of focused on myself and, you know, I, I talk about, I always talk about my, my potential and I haven't, I haven't reached it yet, but every, every fight I, I get a little closer to, to that, you know, 100% potential that I can, that I can put out there. And, you know, every every time I'm there, it's it's uh, it's like ten percent jump or you know five percent jump. Like okay, I feel, but improvement is improvement. You know, and I I, I really I, I I take good and bad from every fight, but I really focus on the good, and I really wanna. I, I really feel like at this point in my career, I'm ready. I'm ready to take that take that big jump and make that you know twenty thirty percent jump and, and really get 
get going out there and make people make people uh, notice what I'm doing. And that's, I mean, that's not the end game. You know, I don't really care if if people think, oh wow, this guy can really fight. You know, I, I don't care. It's about me. It's about yeah. it's about um, the the competition. You know, if really. That, that's really why I got I got into MMA because I you know I competed a long time in wrestling and I just felt like wrestling had run its course and now but but I haven't I haven't competed you know enough I still have that drive and um, that's why I'm here and that's what you know it's it's to show show myself that I can do it. That being said, I, I do feel like a lot of that talk has gone away after the Fei Zhao fight. I think you you I mean. I don't think you needed that particular performance to do it, but you know how these things go. I, f- I feel like you've earned that respect from everyone. I remember seeing a picture, uh, I think it was Joe Rogan that tweeted after the fact of your face. E- even I saw you right after the fight, and I tweeted a picture, but he saw you in the airport, and your face, I mean, both eyes seemed pretty busted up. How painful was that flight? Um, you know, it, the flight wasn't bad, but it was uh, the day after we were, you know, I want to I get out, I want to see walk around, see Rio. And I, we were walking, I forget, we were walking like two or three miles, just kind of seeing, seeing everything, walking through the city, getting something to eat, just relaxing. And at, at a certain point, I remember it's like just feeling my face bounce around. And I just thought, ah, man, hold on. I need to sit down. Like, I, this is a bad idea. I should just be, I should be laying on the beach instead of, instead of walking around. But, um, but it wasn't, you know, surprisingly my, it wasn't very painful. Just, I think it just kind of caught me in the right place. You know, every, anytime you take a, take a shot to the eyeball, or at least for me, I really, it really explodes and swells up like crazy. And, uh, that's kind of what I was dealing with. But, um, but yeah, I mean, I, I felt really my, the rest of my body and, uh, you know, oh, my overall, like I've never felt better after a fight than that, but I just, I looked completely awful. How long did you wait before getting punched in the face again? Um, I, I took a decent amount of time off from, from sparring. Okay. Um, but yeah, it, it, it took a while. Like the blood, the blood vessels in my eyes were all jacked up. So it, it took a while. I waited until my eyes cleared. It was probably, probably good three weeks, four weeks. So, so where's home for you these days? Cause I know rain is no more. Uh, I know you trained with Shogun, uh, prior to 190 also at Ruka a little bit. Do you have a home? Um, we're kind of we're kind of bouncing around. I mean, I I would call Kings and uh, and Ruka my home. Um, you know, it's it's been unfortunate this camp um, to have uh, Michael Bisping out. He's he's been one of my one of my main training partners uh, at, at Ruka, and um, so you know he's he's all banged up. He's getting healthy, but um, so we've kind of we've been going more more and more to Kings and th- those guys. I mean, I've I've trained with those guys since the beginning, you know, along with rain. So it wasn't, it wasn't like a big transition or I had to, you know, Oh no, where, what am I going to do next? There's Southern California is, is still a huge, huge place for MMA. And there's, there's plenty of guys to train with. And, uh, did you get a chance? I mean, what's the, uh, now you've been there three times, you might know the answer. What's the pancake scene like in Brazil? You know, I haven't had a pancake in, in Brazil, that I'd never see it. I yeah. never see it on a menu. Um, yeah, I don't know. I feel I really feel the need to to bring pancakes to Brazil. Maybe that can be my gift. Yeah, I don't know if it exists. I'll have to ask <laughs> yeah. uh, my colleague Guilherme, who who lives there. 
Um, maybe yeah. that could be, you know, maybe they, instead of calling it pancake, uh, some form of Portuguese, they call it like the Cummins or something like that, you know, like in honor mm. of you. What do you think? <laughs> Dur- yeah, Durkin. Dur- or Durkin, yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, did you did you watch Glover versus OSP? And if so, are you one, you know, there were questions about Glover. Is he is he reaching the end and all that? You know, he, he had a... He had some struggles against Phil Davis, of course, after that, and 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 maybe that's a fight that you can lean on. But uh, were you impressed with what he did against OSP? Um, yeah, you know, I, I kind of feel like he he followed he followed the game plan. You know, the same same game plan I had. Just you know, things things went a little awry for me. Um, but yeah, he, you know, he he's a, he's an intelligent fighter. You know, I think I think that's that's one of his strengths. He he can uh, he can he can to have a game plan, stick to it when he needs to, and and evolve if if he has to. So, um, yeah, I mean, I, I was impressed with that fight, and you know, although I I really I really felt like you know the, the OSP fight for me was 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 heartbreaking. You know, I really I really felt like I was uh, I was getting the better of him, and and really starting to starting to turn the screws a little bit, and uh, you know, things happen. That's that's why MMA is so exciting. <laughs> But but it's it's uh, you know a lot of people said hey man listen you were doing great it's not like you were getting you're getting beat around the cage and then finally you know you, you lost it was it was you were doing great and you got caught hmm. and I I didn't really take any solace in that because I just you know it, it hurts that much more when you're like when you're doing really well and you you have that uh, you know you have that potential you're like oh man I'm, I'm I'm doing it like here it is and uh, it gets it gets taken away from you really quickly so. Um, but at the same time, I, I learned a lot from that fight. I learned a lot about myself and really just that it always, it always comes back, uh, for me, it always comes back to, uh, just, just getting back to the grind and really persevering and, and, uh, getting, working my way back up to the top. Did you watch that Phil Davis Glover fight a lot leading up to this one? Yeah. Yeah. We, we've watched that, uh, a few times. Um, Is that the boot, the blueprint? It, yeah, to a certain extent, yeah. I mean, Phil, Phil's, a, Phil's a different style, you know, wrestling style uh, for me. But um, a lot of things he does, you know, we, we can do. And uh, I, I think I, I really, I mean, he, he, handled, he handled that fight beautifully. So um, I guess a lot of people may complain that, that, you know, it was a little boring and whatnot. But, um, you know, it, at the end of the day, the, the job is to get the fight get the win in the fight so so you don't mind a boring fight as long as you get the w well i I mean yeah i i don't mind it i don't think i I don't think i've really had a boring fight yet Mm -hmm. so um i just i think my style doesn't really lend itself to a boring fight because i'm always pushing forward and and really i want want to push the pace and um but i I can still use a lot of the same tactic tactics from phil uh in this fight to, to help me out. By the way, side note, my colleague Guilherme Cruz tells me they do have pancakes in Brazil and uh, they're called panqueca. So panqueca. good news. I like that. <laughs> um, All right. I'll, I'm going to have to check them out. Yes. Perhaps uh, a celebratory panqueca on, uh, right. on Sunday. Um, okay. Yeah. Uh, just a couple more things and then we'll let you go. Uh, you know, he's ranked four, so there's not a lot of room between him and, you know, the title shot. Do you have any idea what a win means here? Um, honestly, I'm, I mean, 
it, it's hard not to think about it. You know, I like to say I'm not thinking about it. The only fight, the only important fight is the next one. Um, but, but yeah, I mean, of course there's, there's a lot of implications involved and, and I mean, I, I think anybody, anybody that knows me or, or knows of me knows that I, I want that rematch of Daniel Cormier really badly. And, uh, that's, that's kind of, um, that's, that's, that's one of the, one of the main things that's driving me is, is to get back to that, to that position and, and, um, compete in a way that, that I know I can with him. So, um, it's just, it's just incentive, you know, it's fuel for the fire, um, to, to, to keep climbing and to get, to get to that shot. And, uh, hopefully it'll be right around the corner. So you feel like you have a better chance if Cormier is still the champion as opposed to if John fights him and John wins the belt back. Better chance of getting that shot, I mean. Better, um, maybe. I, I mean, it's it's hard it's hard to think. You know, now that now that John's reinstated, it's you know kind of throws throws a curveball into things. Um, but I'm you know, like I said, I'm not going anywhere. I, I I came here to fight. I need I need experience, so I'm not gonna I'm not really worried. I'll I'll take as many fights as I need to to get to get to that position. And uh, I mean, although yeah, you know, sooner is better than later. But um, I'm re- I'm ready. I'm ready whenever. <laughs> How do we win on November seventh? How do you foresee this going down? Um, I really see. Um, just just a, a whole lot of pressure, and and I, I think I say that every time I'm going into a fight. Um, you know, I really I really want to apply the pressure and um, and make him make mistakes and capitalize on on them and, and whatever those mistakes are. Um, I, I feel confident that that I can capitalize. You know, if, if, whether it's a submission or or a knockout, I really uh, I really feel like those those are both very good possibilities for me. Well, this is very exciting. I, I love these kind of fights. You know, the, the 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 younger guy trying to take the spot of the older guy. You you meeting you know on enemy territory for you. Um, I don't know. I, I saw I saw some people say it was a little too soon for you, but I disagree. I feel like the time is now. Is as the UFC likes to say, the time is right for Dirk. <laughs> yeah, I, you know, I'm glad. I'm glad to hear you say that because I feel the exact same way. Okay, good. If you would have said right now that you uh, you you agree with those people, I think we might have had a problem. You know what? On second thought, uh, I feel like I shouldn't be taking this fight. That'd be a weird thing to say, but I would appreciate the honesty, by the way. <laughs> well, you know me. I'm pretty. I'm pretty honest guy. Yes, uh, it's good to talk to you again, my friend. Uh, safe travels. When do you yeah. go over there? In a week or so. It's been too long. Uh, yeah, I, I'm. I'm leaving actually a week from today. Okay. Is it is it any different? So, by the way, is it is it like? A, or do you feel like you got it down as far as what you need for weight cutting and all that? You're, you're, uh, you're a veteran when it comes to that in Brazil. I mean. Um. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like I've I've got the I've got that recipe down. My my, you know, the, the fight week is is uh is pretty dialed in right now. So okay. Weight comes off. Weight comes off easy. Everything. Everything firing ready to go. So. And uh, I'll be I'll be ready. And you have the mad scientist Ryan Parsons in your corner, so that's always a good thing, as well. I do, yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I wish Be you back. the best. Can't wait for the fight. Looking forward to it. Great to talk to you again. Thank you. Great, yeah. Thank you, Errol. Great to be on. All right. Uh, great stuff there from Patrick Cummins. I'm looking forward to that fight. I love those kinds of fights. That's a that's an old school Joe Silva kind of fight.
younger guy, and I know he's not, you know, the youngest, he's not a rookie or anything like that, but younger guy uh, going into Brazil, fighting the veteran, fought for the belt. It's it's a perfect co-main event, if you will, for that Sao Paulo show. And it's a fight they've wanted for quite some time. I think it's great. I look forward to it November 7th in uh, in Sao Paulo. It's the co-main event for the Dan Henderson Vitor Belfort fight. All right. One more guest to go, and it's fitting that uh, we talked to this man last because he stole the show in Ireland. He did not get a chance to fight in Ireland. He was supposed to fight Stipe Miocic. Miocic, Miocic had to pull out due to an injury, but Ben Rothwell decided to go over there and, and be the man of the people that he is, much like he was at International Fight Week. He wanted to be with the people, hang out, go to the Q&A, all that stuff, and all accounts say that he stole the show, as expected. And he's kind enough to join us right now from Ireland. He's still there. Ben, are you there? Uh, he says, as expected. Yes. You have, a lot, you have a lot of faith in me? I do have a lot of faith in you, believe it or not. I'm, trying to get one, but I'm just so nervous right now. Okay. Well, let's... Uh, let's... I'm just more nervous. It's more nervous than you getting ready for a fight because you're such a big deal. I'm just... No, oh. that's not true. Um, but I'm honored that you would feel that way. We'll, we'll work through it together. Uh, wh- why are you still in Ireland, hey, by the way? Yes, go ahead. Um, well, the plan was to fight Saturday, and don't really. I have a very tight schedule for you know the week of the fight, so wanted to see Ireland. So I was planning on fighting, and uh, airfare and everything was already set up. So I was I was going to take Sunday, Monday, Tuesday to check out Ireland and. Now I'm sitting here ready to go home already now <laughs> because I got to just cruise around Dublin and hang out with the fans all week. Are you happy you did and that? here we are. Hey, yes? What? What did you want to say? I was going to say, let me fire off a quick list real quick because I was listening to your show earlier. I just wanted to touch up. I just wanted oh. you because we're, we're doing a good job of this. I'll give you a list and then we'll come back and touch on it. So okay. I was going to say a couple things right down the list and then we'll we'll try to get to my list and we'll get through your list because I know you got your list of questions. So I'm going to say, we'll talk about Melky okay. and him talk about Frank Muir. Yeah. Oh, yes. yes. Let's talk about let's talk about Dustin Peori and what how he, he didn't want to take the fight yeah. and, and my thoughts on that. Let's talk about uh, Vitor Belfort <laughs> and let's talk about... John Jones. Wow. Well, to be honest, these are way more interesting uh, questions that I had in mind for you. So let's go through your list first. (laughs) By the way, that's the first time anyone is actually, you know, I'm I'm okay with someone giving me questions. I'm not okay with someone taking away questions. So let's start with Malky. He said that uh, Frank Mir wants a piece. What do you think? It's interesting. It's an interesting situation for me uh, going, you know, I was going to fight the number four, number third ranked guy. And now I'm going to fight a guy that's, you know, just coming off of a loss to a guy that I've been trying to book a fight with and Andre. And it, it's kind of like, it, it's tough. You know, it's like, how do I feel about that? But then I look at the landscape and besides Frank Muir, there's only a couple other names that are getting thrown around and those names aren't very Probable. I mean, I'm not sure what's going on with their situation for I'm being told that these, these many guys are they're busy as well. And I don't want to wait. Uh, I want to fight as soon as I can. Uh, no later than January. I mean, anything past that, it's just, it's just too long. Uh, if I could fight, you know, I, I've said it out there. If I could fight December 19th, you know, I'm ready. I, I told, you know, Dana White came up and said hi to me. And I just told him, I'm like, you know, feel, feel comfortable knowing that December 19th, you're going to have a co-main event. 
So I know he likes that, and, and I'm just very sincere in wanting to fight anybody, uh, the best guys, you know. So anyway, Frank Muir, uh, obviously didn't get thrown up, and, and, you know, because, like I said, because of the landscape, because all these guys are booked. They have fights and, and already matched up. And, you know, at least Frank Muir's in the top ten, and uh, he's still a household name to fight. And if that's the fight that happens, then that's the fight I need, you know, that's the fight I need to take. But, uh, like I said, I'm, I'm trying to pursue the uh, the top guys here, so we'll just see what happens. Uh, who are some of the other names that have been brought to your attention? Uh, I'm not even, I don't even, I don't know. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's kind of, who's ever in the top ten that you can see that doesn't have a fight book? It's like, well, obviously their, their name's getting thrown around. Okay, they're not, so, there aren't many of those. I mean, the only one that really comes to mind is Barnett. Yeah, well, there you go. See, I was just testing you a little bit. He's just your knowledge. So the the word is on him. He's really busy. I guess he's pursuing an, an acting career. I guess he, I guess not pursuing, like, he has a, a movie gig lined up and, and stuff. So he's, uh, I think he picks and chooses his fights more. He's a little more, like, he's only interested in certain fights as well. So, yeah, I'm not sure what's going on with him. He might just be busy. But Frank Muir, I guess, is saying, he, he, you know, he's up and wants to fight. So... That's that. Do you, do you, do you prefer Barnett over Mir if that's you know the the final two that you're presented with? Like kind of kind of kind of the same. I mean, they are and they aren't. I mean, I think Bar- you know Barnett's coming out. It, it, Barnett's a better fight because he's coming out a win. Yeah, uh, a good win against Roy, the great you know. And Barnett, dude. I mean, for for so many years, the guy is just he, he's a very respected heavyweight, and well, and and for good reason. I mean, he's a very well-rounded heavyweight, and he's everybody respects the guy and you know I think yeah it, it, the fight would mean more you know be you know going out and, and you, you just you, you're going to go out and put all the work in for a training camp you're going to beat somebody you want that one that mean as much as you possibly can and you know I think right now yeah obviously Barnett's going to be in a better position than Frank Muir but at the same time I just I don't want to sit and wait you know okay so that takes care does that take care of Malky or was there something else you wanted to say about him I was—I don't know. That was the first time I've ever uh, got to see him talk. It was kind of funny because Andre Lasky's the one I was, I was, you know, around him this week, and he's the one that brought it up. He's like, "Well, oh, I heard Frank Mir," and I was like, "What do you know?" You know, and he laughs, and uh, that's why. Because then I was putting it all together. Oh, you know, he—he he now he managed with Melky. So that makes me wonder: Was Frank Mir and Andre both managed? Yeah. And when they fought each other. Yeah. Yeah. So it's crazy scenario. It is. Yeah. He has that scenario coming up with yeah, Ben no. Henderson and Tiago Alves. Yeah, he's just managing everybody, huh? I guess. What about you? I heard him cracking off his list to you. I'm like, oh, well then. <laughs> now listen. Yes. All right. And okay. I want you to listen and make sure you listen here. <laughs> yes. I'm just cracking. How many times did he do listen? Oh, yes, 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 yes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I thought you were going to go on some sort of rant on me right here. Uh, I don't know. I, I was. Okay, well then let me I ask. I think you. I'm ranting out listening to him. Uh, uh, let me ask you. By so the way, what, what do you, we can talk what you, about Jones because he. What? Wait, wait, wait. Well, what are you doing listening to my show? You're in Dublin. Why are you listening to the show? You should be doing other things, no? I told you I'm, I've been here. This is like I'm working on almost day number ten. Okay. I'm burnt out, man. I could have <laughs> I could have went home today, and I'm still I'm not flying out till Wednesday. I'm like, oh god, what did I do? <laughs> so I was sitting here. In my room, I'm like, you know, I was good. I'm glad I did. It's kind of like it equipped me, kind of let like, you know what was going on. And uh, sure. there I got the info because I, 
I actually sent Frank Muir a message asking if any of that was true, and uh, he didn't respond yet, so I got my answer by listening to your show. There See? you go. There you go. More people need to listen to your show. There we go. We need to clip that off and, and make that some sort of promo. Okay, let me ask you about Dustin Poirier. What do you want to say about him? Uh, this is an interesting topic. I think one, one funny story is, is I had made a tweet saying, hey, you know, new main event, me versus him, haha, and he didn't really respond or anything. And then he's down in the lobby, uh, and he was talking to somebody, had their back to me, and I didn't see, and I go to him and I yell in front of everybody. I'm like, oh, you don't want to take the fight? I'm like, what's wrong with you? Meaning our little exchange. And then Park turned, Park was who he's talking around, talking to, and Park turns and like looks at me, and Dustin had, you know, had a face like, oh, like really, dude? <laughs> I was like, oh, it's like too. I was like, I didn't be. So it was funny, like. I think he knew I was kidding. I didn't realize he was talking. He, he probably must have thought at first I was talking about him in Park, and I didn't even know who he was talking to. So I kind of felt bad, but I laughed. And Did you clear didn't. it up with him? You know, we had a moment. <laughs> well, I sat next to him then at the fight. Oh, so, okay. you know, I talked to him. I think he knew, he knew I was just messing around with him. Do you agree with his decision? But, so to it not... brings me to the point of him saying. Go ahead. I keep cutting you off. Sorry. No, it's fine. I think it's a slight delay because you're over there in Europe. I just wanted to know if you agree with his decision to not take the park fight. So what I find interesting, I like, I see you like you definitely have the guys inside that's more sportsmanlike. You you know that you see these decisions and uh, the guys didn't have you know to make this choice. I said and and to hear that Dana White, you know Dana White came up to him, talked to him in front of me too, and, and Dustin said like Dana called him, said you know it's no big deal. And so, man, rewind two, three years ago. I don't think that that would have been the case. I think the, the head brass of like, you got to take this fight. You need this fight. And Joe and and Dana are just kind of like, you know, you see, there's a totally different UFC now. I mean, just everything, just how the, you know, like you were talking about Ratner pulling off Duffy. So, so it is very. I don't want to say exciting, but it's awesome to see. Like, wow, like, they're, they're really changing the way this is. It is a sport again. You know, it's a sport now. It isn't like it was. So it's cool that he didn't have any outside pressure that way. But as a fighter, in our heart, it's like he said, I see this with it isn't him. They're not picking on him. It's just a lower weight class. As he says, oh, this isn't the fight that I trained for. I guess he's not the only one, but it's just I see how much different I am now, how much I've changed because name any of the top 10 fighters and I'm supposed to fight, I'm supposed to fight Stipe. And then they call Andre and they call it, I got him fight Andre in a week's notice. That's fine. No, you got to fight King Velasquez. I'm going to fight a pure wrestler. Guy's going to take you down. Fine. I'm going to beat him. Well, you're going to go to Verdum. He's best grappler in the heavyweight. That's fine. All right. No, no, you're going to fight Travis Brown instead. There's a heavy striker. Great. Going to beat him too. It does not. My game plan is the same for every one of these guys. And I finally realized, I understand like, this is what it takes to be a champion. This is what it sounds like when you're going to be a champion. Hmm. I just feel good to be in this place now. And when I kind of listen to the other guys, they're not there yet. Matt, especially with the letter weight classes. And I've just heard this last couple of weeks that guys like really fight a lot with matchmaking about who they have to fight. Like me, it's like they call and say, this is who it is. And I say, you know, what's the date? Can you, you know, my, my biggest complaint is if I can, you know, stay out of certain countries or, you know, things like that. Like, as far as the opponent goes, it's like, okay. And, and kind of say like, he did do a short, full training camp. He was ready to fight. And I know that he sat there in the arena watching park fight going, damn it. I could have smoked this guy and had all of Ireland, you know, cheering for me right now. 
And, you know, but like you said, I, I agree with you. Every guy is different and I don't, I don't criticize a guy for, you know, that he's in a part, he's in an important situation too. Like if he did take the fight and he did lose. Yeah. It's disastrous. You know, at least if he's going to fight a top ranked guy with him and he loses, okay, maybe it's not as bad, but it just, it was, it was the fact that he said, I trained specifically for this guy. And yeah. I'm just that, I don't understand every time, every one of my training camps is to fight anybody. You know, most of the time it's like I'm 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 planning to fight Purdue. You know what I mean? Like my game my game plan has to be able to be anybody. So I just thought that was interesting. That's all. You know, I guess my main point was like I could see where you're coming from, especially from, from your perspective and the spot that you're in now. It it bothers me when I see a guy like I said who's one and one or something in the UFC is like, I would take that fight in a second. Of course you would, buddy. I mean, you don't have 15 fights under your belt. You're not the main event. Of course you would take that opportunity. You know, it, it's 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 not fair for, for someone in that position to to uh, criticize Poirier, who has way more to lose, way more on the line. Uh, I'd like sometimes to see, you know, fighters are, it feels to me, are always so quick to go against each other and man up each other and, and show that they're tougher than the other. It'd be nice to see a few fighters say, yeah, if I was in Dustin's position, I would do the same thing. I, I would have made the exact same call. I don't see that often, and this happens, you know, with the, you know, with the the Henry Cejudo Nick Diaz situation and the John Jones one fifty one decision. Fighters need to stick together more, in my opinion. I, I you know, I agree with it. I, I totally agree with where you're coming from. And it, and then as far as calling somebody out, that's great. I call the one and one guy Ken by calling up Joe Silva privately and mm. saying, "Hey, is this a fight? Are you interested in me filling in?" And Joe can say, "No, you're only out. You're only one and one. You know, not yet, buddy." Or you can say, "Yeah, we really need this fight. We're going to put you great." But when you go on Twitter, yeah, like, like you know, and me and Matt talked after the fact, but at the way he went about trying to call me out and when what he proceeded to say after the fact was absurd to say that he got a fight offered to him and then I turned it down. It was, dude, I ripped him to shreds. I'm like. You're a, what the fuck is wrong with you? Why would you just blatantly lie? For Never happened you, I, in your opinion. He's like, he's like, yeah, because he's trying to get attention, and he even admitted it. I'm like, but you're still an asshole. Like, you're still fucking, you're still losing respect, man. Like, you know, you know, like you said, the camaraderie's supposed to treat each other like a brotherhood. And like, yeah, he shit on that because he wanted people to. He knew he'd get people to talk, even though he knew there was no possible way the fight was going to happen. And I'm like, that's stupid. You know, privately called Joe. They can call me and offer me a fight. Good, we'll do it. But you can just go on Twitter and just blab your fucking mouth. Yeah, and then I agree with you. The guys that are one on one calling Dustin names and say, yeah, they're, you know, they're not martial artists. They're just clowns looking for attention, and you see right through it. You know, and, and you're not the only one. And so mm. the people that matter see right through this shit. And these guys just, yeah, they need to learn better. Well, you know, but it doesn't. You know, it comes from their camps too, and, and their coaches, and, and the fighters that they're training with. Yep. You know, who's teaching these guys and, and how are they acting? You know, and there is, there's still a lot of, a lot of growing up needs to happen in the sport altogether. You know, it's got to stop being a fighter. We've got to become martial artists. Uh, so, yeah, I agree with you on that point for sure. What do you have to say about Vitor Belfort? No, I want to ask you. I mean, oh. Right on the, if I click on the screen, it goes, Vitor Belfort will not be coming on today. We <laughs> wanted to ask him questions that they do not want to answer. Yeah. And I was like, oh, and then, Melky brought up about, yeah, I, I'm guessing I'm going to put on a win here. Something to do with him and Jones, you know, yeah. and that whole, it is interesting. I mean, I, I for, kind of forgot about it. I'm like, that's probably exactly what they wanted. Because when I first heard about it, I was like, it is, like, 
what? <laughs> and then I kind of forgot about the last couple of weeks and he just brought it up again. And I'm like, I'm, I'm pissed off all over again. I'm like, what the hell is that? So, you know, what is that? Like, that, that sounds like some, it's disappointing. Not good. You know, it's disappointing because disappointing. I, I, I booked him yeah. on Wednesday and, uh, you know, like his wife said to me, she's like, you reached out and asked for a comment on the situation. And, uh, when this all happened, the, the story came out by Josh Gross and uh, they didn't respond. That's fine. That's their prerogative. But when I booked them on Wednesday, you'd have to think that I'm still going to ask about it. And like I told her, I'm not going to spend 20 minutes talking about this. I want to know if he has anything to say. Does he have any comments? And then we can move on. I'm not going to spend 100% of the interview on this. I can assure you of that. But it makes me look like a hack if I don't at least bring it up. He could say whatever he wants. But, you know, there's, there's certain questions that need to be asked. And they never brought it up on Wednesday. And only when I checked in two hours before the show on my way to the studio today and said, are we still good for today? Because I had a feeling something screwy was up. She said, well, you can't ask about this. And I said, look, I, I assure you, I give you my word. I, I will not, you know, try to embarrass him or put him on the spot. I just want to know if he has any comment on the situation, on this story, you know, from his perspective. What's the story? What do you want to say? I can assure you next week when he fights in Brazil, at least I hope, people are going to ask him. So why not address it now and then tell everyone next week, hey, I addressed it, you know, if that's the way you want to go. Of course, I think you should address it multiple times, but at least talk about it. She said, no, he's not coming on the show. So that's disappointing. And I feel like, you know, I, I, I feel uncomfortable making the story about me here, but I feel like people need to know that. I think that's especially considering his past. It's worth knowing that certain questions. It's very rare that anyone ever asks me to do that. Um, I believe I've even interviewed you over what happened in Milwaukee, and you never asked me not to ask about certain things. So, you know, it was disappointing. The difference is I want to address it because I face my problems. You know, I, that's it. I face my problems. Yeah. I take them on. I take responsibility. I told you, man, Victor was awesome when I met him in July and how nice he was to me and all this stuff. Yeah. And it just really sucks to hear that. Come on, man. Be the, be the warrior. Be the man. Face this. It happened. There's nothing you can do about it. You, this is your responsibility. You went through this. This is yours. Like, fucking own it. Like, just deal with it. You know, and and no running and stuff. I don't know. It's just it doesn't look good. Doesn't he watch? Uh, you know, you, what could have been looked at as the goat and, and, and Silva. And I'm gonna say it. Anderson Silva destroyed his legacy. Now not because he got busted, but after the fact, and continually denying showing is what a coward and what he is. Like, no respect for me whatsoever. It's constantly like, really, dude, you were tested multiple times. You had these substances in your body. Like, who are you trying to lie to? Like, you got busted. You're a cheat. You fucked up royally. Why are you going to sit here and, and continue to say you didn't do it? It's it's a disgrace. And that you're not a man. You're not a man. You're not a final period. You can throw some good punches and kicks, but you, but inside of the person, you're gone. You're nothing. And and I don't want to see people take on this, like, kind of running from it. He didn't deny nothing, but... Avoiding it so much just as bad. It's like don't do that, man. Like just just deal with this. It's it's no big deal. You got to fight against Henderson. You can make everybody forget and get in there. You can test it now. You're clean. Go in and beat Henderson. Great, man. We'll move on from this. But like you said, it just kind of makes matters worse when people don't want to handle their their business the right way. Yeah, I, I agree a hundred percent. Wow, strong words about Anderson Silva there. And by the way, I, I, that's how I feel. I mean, no, for I, sure. It's part of the reason I'm, I'm telling you when he got busted, it, dude, it, it's part of what has made me me. Like I, I, I just, something changed in me. And when that happened, it was just like, 
just to have somebody we've looked up to for so long, just, just fucking feel us so bad, you know? And yeah, something like definitely said, has changed. Criticize me, but you can look at my report and see that I take, dude, I had a case. I could have fought, like I could have fought it. Like the commission, the Wisconsin commission gave me a warning because they're like, Ben did not have an advantage. We have eight weeks of testing. Yes, he was high the night of the fight. He was low the week the week of and all these eight weeks before. And you know what? I could have fought the whole thing. The UFC is the one that gave me suspension. And you know what I said? I said, it's my fault. It's 100% my fault. Even though a doctor was prescribing and taking and overlooking everything, I don't it's not the doctor's fault. It was my choice. You know? And that's it. And that's the difference between me and Anderson Silva. Mm-hmm. And you and a lot of fighters, by the way. Um, and, and yeah. I, and, but, you know, I'm not the only one, but it's like, yeah, we're the ones. We staying up, you know. It, it, was that the turning point so for anyway. you? Because something has definitely changed. Like, Ben Rothwell, a year ago, is not getting the kind of love from the people. I, I saw your Twitter. The people the people there in Ireland love you. I mean, I joked calling you Mick Rothwell, but it's unbelievable. And it's not just in Ireland. You have connected with the people for, for, for some way, somehow. I... I I noticed something different. Was it the Anderson thing that, 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 you know, changed you? Is that what opened you up to the world? My, my fighting happened. I, I always say in the third round in the Vera fight, when I started, you know, basically right before I go to finish him, that really was like something in my brain in that round opened up and I, I've not been the same since. All right. So that's like the physical, the martial artist. But as far as like, I guess just reaching out and, and just how I feel inside about that this sport needs more than it's been getting. It happened with Anderson Silva. I mean, it started with John Jones and his first, it was the cocaine. And then obviously the hit and run really threw me off the edge. But the Anderson Silva was even like, to me, it was even like worse than that because John Jones got in trouble and got busted and he's dealing with his problems. Anderson Silva's not. And that just, it's just like, ah, oh, it just makes me, it just makes me feel like there's so many people are let down from that. And I just, I just know now I'm going to be the champion that this, the sport has not had and that it needs. And I, I can say it all I want, but it, I just, I have to have the belt and I'm going to prove it. You know, it's actions speak louder than words. And that's, that's why I know I'm destined for something. Is that why, you know, you, you, you get the fight taken away from you and then you're in Ireland and Stipe gets booked against someone else. How do you react to that? At first I was obviously like anyone would expect irate you know i made some jokes on twitter about it and, and it just you know i was trying to make i made my jokes i tried to make them you know i, I put x's on all of our faces on the poster and said <laughs> hey you know it's the new poster and i was trying to make because i was trying to make fun of a bad situation you know it was just there's nothing i can do about it you know the ufc already signed them the guys there's nothing i could do and it's just like yeah i'm gonna be mad for dear too i mean it, it really like i was sick for like the whole day that i found out and because I was just convinced. Look, I pegged it. I pegged the, the, the event. I pegged the opponent. I knew everyone was right there. It was January 2nd. And, you know, Andre Olaski. I'm like, this is my fight. And then they're like, no, we're going to give it to the guy that just fucking backed out with an injury. And I was just like, I've, don't, I've never seen this happen before, ever. Like, somebody getting booked when, you know, the week that they're supposed to fight. i just never seen anything like this before. So, so like I said, I already said it before that I don't, I don't say what's fair or anything like that. Cause that's, that's the way life is. And within a couple of days, I was just getting over it. And by the time I got to the Q and a, uh, that we did before the lands, I, I like, I think I did a 180, and, and I just got happy and I'm just like, you know, this is going to work out. And the fan, the more I, the more I 
threw myself to the fans, the more I got over it. And I'm just like, yeah, this is why I'm here. I need to be here with the fans. And, and this is why I, everything I'm telling you, I'm going to be a different champion. I'm going to start proving it right now. And while Ireland believes me, they got my back now. Yeah. Because when all the other guys were in the VIP section, I literally went threw myself out into the into the, the the fans. Like I left the VIP area, and when everybody left, I still sit there and sign for a few more hours past. And I loved, yeah, I, every single person, literally. <laughs> and like when I was at the Q and A and said I would take a picture of the whole place, I think I did. Like, and I loved it. I loved every second of it. So that's part of what makes me different. They are a special bunch over there. There's no doubt about that. Did you did you voice your displeasure about the whole situation to Dana when you spoke to him at the event? Just a little bit. I mean, like I said, I I don't want to be like. I mean, everybody's just gonna bitch. It's like it's like what you expect. I mean, just like there's nothing gonna happen. Nothing. I'm gonna sit there and bitch and complain. What's gonna happen? Nothing. It's just gonna make it worse. He he don't want to hear it. You know, it's just everything. I just. You know, basically, I just try to take it with stride, and he came up, and he's like, he, he knew he knew that I want to fight Junior DeSanto. He said, you know, he's like, yeah, I respect that. I'm like, hey, listen, December 19th, just take, I'm like, just take it to know you will have a co-main event no matter what. You know, and, and I said, Overeem or him, it's fine. I'm going to be ready. But they, you know, he said, they're obviously trying to book me a fight. And he's like, oh, it's one thing we got plenty of is fights. So he's like, we're going to be getting you a fight as, you know, as soon as we can. Do you, do you, did you so, ever I mean, worry, knows. Did you ever worry like, oh, I'm being too outspoken here on Twitter at the Q and A, all that stuff, or are are, are they relatively receptive to to you? Because I hope I hope you don't get you know muzzled, but you know, I'm curious because you were you were kind of critical, right? The Q and A, I think I, I managed to avoid it. You know, the very first question was I mean, I could have started that thing out either really negative, and I think I started out positive. You know, yeah, like. No, you you know started it all with like you know you had a lot going on this week. How are you doing? I could have instantly started complaining about everything. And instead, I was just like you know I would compensate because I've been I get to be here with the greatest fans ever. You know, but all oh, place erupted. So it was like that. I just that right that just fueled my 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 thought of like yeah I gotta keep this thing positive and just you know just just suck it up. Like, yeah, I, I maybe got a wrong deal, but you know. I can you know, I trust I've been knocked down from far worse, and you know, this isn't gonna keep me down. And it's just everything for a reason. Just I have to believe that. So it's kind of like the story of my life. And there's this, this is one of those things where I don't understand it now, but it, I'm going to understand it later. And I just believe that 100%. And I just, just know that I'm on a different path right now. And I just got to stick to it. So some of the Twitter stuff, I, 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 I didn't criticize the UFC. I just tried to fax some jokes. I, I thought they were, you know, within reason and people like got a lot of attention and seemed like people thought it was funny and yeah. that's it. I just try to keep it keep it funny and not bitch too much. You know, yeah, I complain a little bit. I just said it doesn't make sense and you know, I said I didn't understand it. And then I just I did like two days of that and I got over it and just stopped, you know, I'm just I'm just to move on and you know, just started thinking about it. I started doing cardio and started training here and just started focusing on, you know, when I get home and I already got my training camp already set up. I got my trainers ready, like you know, I'm a professional, and I'm just going to be ready for my opportunity when it comes. What do you want to say about John Jones? Uh, what was, what What's was the, the point? Like, oh, I, I know there's a couple things. I, I know the the crowd in the Q and A had asked me too, and I know Andre Locke. was like, I seemed like a lot of fighters really got his back. I just know that I could have set that dude to the 
to to the planes because I think that to the question I hear about it, I'm like, yeah, I got you know, throw the hit and run. What kind of team do that? They're about like I just think people are, are very disappointed, and I'm just like again to be in the negative or the positive. I'm like, well, that's not going to be the situation. The Giants is a great player, and I, I just I hope like I want to I want to help. I want to see him come back from this for sure. Like he, he, he made some big mistakes, but I mean, that's part of it. That's what our sport is, right? We, we lose, and then that's what's so great is see somebody lose a fight and come back and, and win the title, come back and be something, you know, kind of like that story. And, you know, I, I see a lot of the fighters, are, you know, we, we're, we're excited to see him come back from this, and, you know, I hope he does. Hmm. Well, that's good to hear. Uh, by the way, speaking of Arlovsky at the Q&A, what do you make of him uh, giving the no comment to the Nick Diaz situation? Because he had no comment to most every question he got asked. <laughs> what was up with that? They're like, they're like, what do you think about if Dino, Dino Wade and Lorenzo, you know, Lorenzo got to fight each other, and you know, he's like, that's politically not correct. I'm not answering. And then he goes on to say, you know, we all answer, you know, and he's like. They're like, what if you fight Fedor? So then he does, he does decide to answer that. Or what if Fedor comes in? He's like, well, I'm like Nike. Just do it. I just start dying. I'm like, did he really just like to say that? It's, it's funny because the whole Reebok deal is very sensitive. And it's just so funny that when he did decide to talk, he says Nike. Oh. But he, like, multiple questions said no comments. I just, like, I gave him a lot of shit. Trust me. It was good. It was entertaining. You killed it. It's amazing. Just looking at your Twitter, all the people, they have, a, they have a way of showering you with love over there. What was the best? Like, was there a moment with some fans? You went to a bar or something? They, they, uh, they, you know, they treated you like royalty. Is there a specific you know, encounter with someone in particular that really stood out from this, uh, this ongoing trip to Dublin? I can't say that there was really... Because there were so many, like... Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday, four days in a row, I was somewhere surrounded by Irish fans, and it was just an incredible experience for me that way. It was, like, just how they embraced me. Each day, I seen it get bigger and bigger to the point where, like, uh, after, after the weigh-ins, they brought us to, like, a party, and, like, the other guys went in, and then when I came in, the place was, like, you heard them come in, and then the next guy goes in, and the next guy goes in, and it was just kind of like, you didn't hear anything. When I walked in, the place erupted. <laughs> I was like, damn, like, that hasn't happened before, you know what I mean? Like, you know, I'm standing next to Andre and Rory and, and Max, Hall, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. they're all big-name guys, so it was pretty cool. But Rory gets a lot of love, man. They really love his fight. I was really happy to see him. I was really, I really liked hanging out with him a lot, too. It was fun to see him open up the Q&A, too. I was telling him, he was telling me, I'm like, yeah, because I watched you at the, the press conference before this fight with with Robbie, it was like awful, like just absolutely <laughs> awful. And he's like did a full 180, you know, and he was cracking jokes. He he kind of was like, yeah, you know, something they, they were trying to see if GSP was coming back. And he kind of, he was like, no, no, no. And then somebody got him, like they got him in a loaded question later on. And he's like, yeah, so he wants to come back only for the big fights. And everybody was like, oh, and then he's like, all right. Keep it in your pants. So I was like, I was like, listen to Glory, look at this guy. And then he was like, I don't know, he was, he opened up. It was, it was it was cool to see. And then we talked about it afterwards. He's like, yeah, I just, you know, I'm just decided I'm just going to start being myself. And I'm like, yeah, man, this is what we got to do. <laughs> so, oh, I'm man. excited for him, man. He, he, he's, he's awesome and just, a, just such a great fighter. 
Your transformation, I must say, one of the great stories of 2015. You, you've quickly become one of the best <laughs> characters in the sport. Please don't change. Well, man, thank you. What do you got planned for the rest of your trip? Two more days in Dublin. What do you got? I got a nice bed that I'm laying in here. And then maybe, uh, maybe some more bed and then maybe some more bed after that. That's it? You, well, Seriously, I went, I went to the Guinness plant. I went and seen some castles. I went and, <laughs> you know, I got around. It was cool. Like I said, the, the whole week that I was going to be, you know, sticking to my the fight week. Like I said, fight week is very, like, like yeah, it's regimented, you know. Yeah. So I didn't have any of that. You know, I was drinking the first day I got here. I started drinking Guinness, which is you know, not something I could do. So I kind of like, by even before I got to Saturday, I was already like, man, I'd seen everything. I was like done, ready to go home. And, uh, are you alone? Yeah, that's that. What's that? Are you alone? No, I got, I had a whole crew of people. That's what it was, it was really fun. I had like 10 people here. I had like four, four training partners, my wife, some family, like even had like everywhere was cool. Everywhere I go, I had like my, you know, like a party with me. So we had a lot of fun. But what about now? Makes the... Are you alone now? No. Oh, okay. Well, that's good. I don't know. Yeah, everybody. So we all decided to stick around until you know until Wednesday. So. Okay. Last question. Since you're on a roll, how do you feel about Verdum fighting Kane again, getting that you know that making that immediate rematch for Kane, and who do you think wins? I think Verdum wins. I, I do. I think he's got his number. So that's the easy one to get out of the way. As far as them fighting again, it makes as much sense as Stipe getting matched up uh, <laughs> during the week that he was supposed to fight me. So, like, that's that's just that. There's just nothing makes sense whatsoever. And that's just how I take things now. I just don't try to understand it. All right. We'll leave Last it of the Mohegans, I think, Daniel Day-Lewis makes a makes a quote about women. He's like, yeah, they're don't try to understand them. So I'm like, that's kind of like the UFC. Just don't try to understand it. Okay. Let's leave it at that. Ben, a pleasure as always. <laughs> He's like, don't say anything else. Don't make him mad. <laughs> no, no, no. Uh, no, man, I'm pro UFC, man. No, that's I, best, that's best organization in the world. And I get to wear the fly Reebok gear that is there, you know, I'm just going to say, I'm just going to give it a plug for them real quick. Okay. I really do feel bad for them that they have a bad deal with the marketing. Yeah. Because it is like the sweatshirt is one of the nicest sweatshirts I ever had. Like they really did try to make us nice gear. Like I don't think anybody said the stuff like is bad. Like the gear is not bad. It's nice stuff. The marketing is just, just they just need to fire all the marketing people and just <laughs> try to start over because it's sad. I, I feel bad for the whole situation. And it's sad is like, Everybody gets so mad and talks about the money, and they had to come out and defend themselves. They're like, we don't have anything to do with that. Like, you know, don't blame us. And I just, I feel bad because everybody wants to bomb on you. Know, all the fighters are bombing on it. I'm like, guys, you're kind of cutting your own throat here. I'm like, if we could have embraced this thing, maybe, you know, could have, could have turned it into something that could have benefited everybody. And I know every guy in the undercard does not complain about getting 2,500 bucks. Because mm. I know when I was in those guys' shoes, I didn't get 2,500 bucks. You know, yeah, the champions are getting good, too. They're not complaining. It is the middle class. The middle class always gets fucked. You know, trust me, I'm losing a shit ton of money in sponsorships, but it is what it is, man. It's just, it, it takes takes time to change, and I don't think bitching, again, bitching and complaining about stuff like everybody's been doing isn't going to make it better. You know, we got to think a way to be positive and, and, you know, to help each other. And whatever. All right, I'm done. 
Oh, by the way, I just wanted to ask you, since you were there, did a lot of fans complain about the T-shirt, the Ireland T-shirt? I didn't ask because I know again negative. Okay. <laughs> like I've seen enough. All right. All right. I seen a, I seen the hate. Like people were definitely pissed. And again, I just really felt bad because it was just such a big mistake. It was like, man, just shooting yourself in the foot over and over again. But I was gonna say that I, it was like I was talking about when Dustin was saying about it in the arena. I think he got must have got there later because I actually think Cathal came out was. Yeah, I was. Uh, that was, that was going to say. I was in the arena for GSP in Toronto. Was fifty five thousand people, right? Yeah. Casal came out and it was fucking ten times louder. Like seriously, I think it was because of the song. He came out to the Ole 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 that place. I was so fucking mad at Stepe. Then I was like, <laughs> we could be the main event right now, and I would be owning this crowd. And I was. Uh, yeah, it was, it was tough to be there. But that that is your and goal, I know right? Awesome sitting there. You want to be you want to be on one of those cards with uh, with Connor, like the the ultimate Dublin experience, right? Oh, dude, he's like on cold part, man. I'm gonna like I don't ask Dana for anything. But I'm gonna be like, you gotta put me on a fucking card. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for sure. It's insane. Like I it's just I've been 16 years in the sport, and like, that is what I've been fighting for. I want to fight in front of a crowd like that. I, I I fuel off it, man. The more the crowd like that, like the more my opponent's gonna get fucked up. Ben Rothwell, you are a gift, my friend. Thank you very much. A pleasure as always. Love talking to you. You always have a home here. So anytime you got something to get off your chest, we'd love to hear from you. Uh, enjoy your last couple of days in Dublin. Um, amazing work over there. It's it's amazing. You you definitely stole the show. You gave those people something to talk about, something to remember, and I think that means a lot to them, even more so to many of them than you know seeing two particular guys fight in the main event. So so kudos to you. I tip my cap and looking forward to your return sooner rather than later. Um, well, thank you, sir. I'm, I'm I think it's great. I'm glad that I could be here and I could be the guy for you to lean on. Yes, let you vent your frustrations on to I'm there for you too, man. Thank you. Anytime you need that, you just get me on the line for you. Thank you, Ben. Talk to you soon. Thanks, guys. Have a good one. All right, there he is, Ben Rothwell. And it's funny he ended the interview on that note because I will admit uh, I, I did uh, I did come to the show today in a sour mood, and then losing a couple of guests. And and uh, John, I, I should say, John Cavanaugh was supposed to join us, but uh, apparently it's some kind of holiday in Ireland, and uh, he has some family obligations and uh, I don't I don't uh, hold a grudge there I understand he's been more than gracious with his time uh, so no hard feelings whatsoever and I know that he would happily come on in the future the last minute nature of it all kind of threw us for a loop but I got to say I came into today's show feeling in a sour mood and then you you walk away with you know Gus Ashling Daly, Poirier, Cummins, Rothwell, just to name a few, like just such great people that remind me how lucky I am to do a show like this and talk to wonderful human beings like that. Um, can't sweat those, those small things. So uh, I appreciate them perhaps on a week like this more so than usual. Uh, let's, let's blow through Inside the Vault for this week because I want to get to some questions want to hear from Mr. New York Rick. 
who also deserves some credit this week because there were a lot of moving parts, and uh, he put it all back into place with getting Dustin and, and Ashling on, so I appreciate him as well. New York Rick, are you there? I'm here. How are you? I'm doing well. How about you? Well, you know... Uh, you know, I just bring the bring the energy up. It was a good show. Yeah, why do you feel the energy being down right now? Yeah, you sound a little all know. show long or just right now? No, just now. Yeah, um, the Vitor thing bummed me out, and I don't like that it's evolved into to, to this other thing. So like, I almost regret bringing it, but uh, I was just upset. You know, I, I wasn't upset, disappointed. I should say disappointed. Maybe it's the same freaking word, but uh, I I don't. You know, you know what really, you know what really kind of put me over the edge. Can I tell you? Sure. It was it was it was this this text. I thought I could count on you as you could always count on us. What is that? I never went back on my word. I never said I didn't say, you know, I'm not going to talk about something and then I did. What is that all about? That's weak. That that's what put me over the edge. Understandable. That's, so, I don't know. Um but we had a great show in spite we of did. that. We did. And uh, that's worth celebrating. We got to hear from Ashling Daly. That was beautiful. From, from the birthday, which was fun. One thing we need to figure out is when we get a late replacement guest, how do we get the graphics up there, you know? Let's, we're working on something, are actually. You? We are. Oh, wow. We just discussed uh, it today, actually. Oh, that's good. Uh, I should have said, you know, like when you, it's always funny when someone does like uh, a tape thing and they're like, oh, we're talking to Ashling Daly, you know. Uh, 10 minutes below the hour. We're talking Ashling Daly here on 92.9. But in that case, with no, uh, with no graphic and a sure. live show, I should have probably said, by the way, we're talking Ashling Daly. Right, the, the radio announcer voice. Yes. Uh, Sitting here with Ashling yeah, Daly. A couple more questions for Ashling Daly, joining us from a birthday party over in Dublin. Uh, <laughs> all right, do we got any questions? We have questions. Okay, remind me to tell you about a funny story that happened to me last week. Let's uh, do it between uh, yes, yes, website yes. questions and Twitter. Let's do it. First one, website. The curious case of Joe Duffy. Because of the short notice injury and not being able to fight in the spotlight that he would have, uh, that he would have had against a name opponent, do you think this ruins the hype train for Joe Duffy? Uh, or, do you th- or are you still interested in a bigger role for him in the UFC? Oh, I'm super interested. I don't think it ruins it. I think it slows it down a little bit. Uh, you know, that was a big fight for him, and it was on a big stage. Can the stars align where he gets a fight like Poirier in Dublin to, of course, lead up to that big Conor McGregor rematch? So it definitely slows things down. And, you know, concussions are, are such a tricky thing. As we talked about on the MMA beat, look at Chris Holdsworth. Look at TJ Grant. I don't know if there's anything like they called it a mild concussion, but can a concussion really be mild? You know, all concussions are very serious. Sure. And we've learned that, especially in the last couple of years. So hopefully he comes back very soon. But I wouldn't be surprised if Poirier fights someone else. Yeah, but if they both get a win, um, yeah, yeah. the storyline is there to have that rebooked. So I think, I think uh, delayed is, is the right way to phrase it. Because I don't think he loses any shine. He got hurt, and just like anybody could, and, and then he's going to come back. And if he picks up a win, if Dustin picks up a win, I think they could rebook that pretty easily, and the, and the storyline is there. Yeah, I guess I'm just saying, like, I wouldn't just disregard a concussion that easily. Sure. Concussions are serious, especially in this game. Hopefully it's not that serious. I think there are levels of severity sure. for sure, and it seems like his, you know, by all accounts, it, it is on the lesser end of that scale. Who um, knows, really? But, yeah, you, you know, there's always you, there, there's the possibility of recurring uh, uh, symptoms, so we'll see. I actually disagree. For the UFC to pull the plug on a main event makes me think it was pretty serious. 
Hmm. You know that, what I mean? That is a fair point. But, I mean, if you, you can't get cleared by the doctor, then you can't get cleared by the doctor. So, you yeah, know. It's true. It does come no down matter, to the you know, No matter what, the, the severity is, is judged by the doctor, not the UFC. Which is great. That's, that's what we yes. want. Why can't Rothwell get any love from the UFC brass? And then uh, we had a little GIF here. It's not playing, obviously, because I took in a screenshot. But I think he has paid his dues. He is a strong heavyweight. What was it, by the way? Fun to watch. Uh, I forget. What is this? Oh, the win over Vera, maybe? I tell. Is I think, Vera? yeah. yeah. Um, a legend uh, for knocking out the ream. And he's becoming <laughs> a cult hero with his Rothwell shuffle. Is it just me, or does it feel like they are still punishing him? It almost feels like they expected Stipe to win, and I've already rewarded him for it. What happens to Rothwell next? He deserves a top five to three. I've never seen it that way, actually, uh, in reverse order. He deserves a top oh, yeah. five opponent, uh, in my opinion. He definitely deserves to be considered for a title shot before Overeem. Is he not getting the love? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I guess that's more of a question for them. The timing was a little curious, to say the least. I think if he gets Barnett, I, I think that's a pretty damn good fight, but I don't know if he's going to get Barnett. The Mir fight, you know, I kind of thought Mir won that fight against Arlovsky. So while he doesn't have, uh, you know, a win on his record in his most recent fight, it's not a huge step back. I just think the part that really bothered him the most, understandably so, was that the guy who he was supposed to fight got booked on yeah. the week that they were there. I mean, that's the timing. And I know they were selling tickets and everything, and they had to do it. So I don't think they have anything against Rothwell necessarily. Maybe he's not... Uh, Should he be getting a bigger push? I mean, after today's show, he, he, he was... Gosh. I, I, I think Ben Rothwell is great. Of course, it's not all about interviews and whatnot, but look what he's done as of late. His fights are very entertaining. Absolutely. So, I don't know. Do you, why, do you feel like he's still paying for that uh, testosterone I, thing? I don't, but I think he could be getting a bigger push. I think he's you know, a personality that seems to be catching on. But, you know, this is something that can happen is it seems like his popularity, his popularity excuse me, is organic right now. And yeah. then once the machine kind of gets behind you, then people turn. Then people are less interested. Um, so maybe the best thing is that it seems like it's it still continues to be organic. That might be the best thing that's happening for him. I love when an athlete, in particular in this sport, puts himself out there to the people and the people respond. And that's sure. what's happening here. It's kind of like, you know, this this term is, I know, a favorite of yours, and it's kind of gone in a whole other direction. But he's become a people's fighter, you know, sort of like the people's main event. He's become one of those guys that, regardless of where he is on the card, there's there's a group of people, and that group continues to grow and grow and grow that he just has this connection with. And that's a connection that's hard to establish, especially this late in one's career. But he's doing a fantastic job. I saw him at International Fight Week in July, and he was hanging with everyone, taking pictures. He just loves it. And, and why shouldn't he? This this whole stretch for him is not going to last forever. So it's always weird when a fighter doesn't open himself up to it and appreciate the ride along the way. What was the uh, people's main event? Uh, back when? Uh, for this last card. Well, this one kind of was a weird one. But, okay, uh, so what would have been the people's main event then? Let's say it stayed intact. From the beginning? From the beginning. It probably would have been... Uh, well, it's a weird thing because like for the world... Yeah, for the world, it's Rothwell Miocic, but Patty Houlihan, if he was, you know, the opening fight of the night for that area, I think would have been the Irish people's main event. But for the entire wow, we're branching off now to Irish. No, people's no, no, main no, event. no, for the local crowd. But no, for the world, like if someone would have asked me before and the card was intact, yeah, of course, Rothwell Miocic. It almost felt like that that fight was too good 
in a weird way for this Fight Pass show. I feel you... like we are entering dangerous territory, though, if we start having now the local no, that's uh, not what I'm people's saying. main event. But you notice that we're going to have the co people's main event. Everyone's using this word like it was a word before. I'm sorry. <laughs> no one used this before I used it. And quite frankly, I, w- I would like some freaking recognition. I'm tired of this. Next for Norman Park. Stormin Norman wants to be out again as soon as possible. Could he face Dustin Poirier next if Duffy isn't ready to go? Hmm. Well, I saw him sort of allude to the fact that he was lighter than ever. I don't know. Maybe 145 is in his, is in his future. Uh, let's see. Is he uh, lightweight? Where's lightweight? There it is. Poirier is number 13 as of right now. He's not ranked. I don't hate it. Now there's beef. I think it's a good fight. You would do it? Yeah. Well, I mean, if I'm Dustin, I might be a little hesitant. I mean, Joe Duffy, let's not forget, wasn't ranked either. Yeah, but his shine is, sure, is sure. bigger right now. And, and it was a local fight for him and all but that. But good for Norman. For He's, he's talking yeah. himself into it. I think, he's, I think he might get it. I don't hate it. Uh, Tom Breeze? Yes. Following his, his impressive and dominant victory over Cajal Pendred, what do you think should be next for him? Oh, that's a tough one. Um, I don't know. I mean, off the top of my head, it, it's still a little early in his career. But a, a really, really nice performance. Like, like, is it Jake Ellenberger too soon? I, what's, what's Jake's last? Uh, Wonder Boy. Yeah. No, I don't know if that's too soon. I think that might be around the right area. 2-0 in the UFC. Uh, two nice finishes, first-round finishes. You know, yeah. I, don't know, I don't know if Jake Ellenberger wants that, but, I mean, of course, he's going to have to fight in, in, in February in London. That's a no-brainer. Sure. Um, and there, there is a, a bit of a movement here with the English fighters. Mm-hmm. It seems like there's this, uh, you know, Darren Till, and there, there's, there's this young generation of English fighters. It took, it took a while, but I see them coming through. Um, I don't know. I don't know if Ellenberger's too soon, but he doesn't have a fight. Maybe him. Maybe, yeah, I think, maybe, maybe that's I think you're right about, you know, the London thing, though. So we'll see... Uh, We'll see who's available at that time. Uh, the crowd singing Zombie with yes. Ashling Daly. One of the best moments I can remember from any fight card uh, was Ashling Daly's walkout song and the crowd singing along with her. What did, what did you and I think about it? Okay, I, I'm so sorry because I actually, I really like that song. I had no idea that the Cranberries were from Ireland. Did you know that? I did. I feel like such a moron. This was, this was on heavy rotation on MTV back when oh, I started yeah. watching it. Oh, it's tremendous. I had no idea they were from Limerick. Isn't that uh, the home of uh, Twitter legend Sean Sheehan? Could be. I can't, uh, I can't speak usually, with authority to that. Usually back in the day, he would respond within seconds, but he doesn't <laughs> watch the show anymore. <laughs> we'll see. I think he might respond to that. Yeah. You're calling him out. Well, I mean, only when it pertains to him does he ever actually pay attention to the show. Now that he's you know, got his own podcast, credentialed and all that. I remember when he would, his only claim to fame was that he would send in pictures of himself. Well, he did, I, if I recall this correctly, he did go to that press conference that Dana had. That was um, it. That was that the moment. Started the whole, that started the whole shebang. I was the one that said, follow this guy for the updates. But again, no one remembers. Tired of it. Anyway, uh, it was a fantastic moment. I loved it. Patty's walkout was great. Um, Neil's series was great. It was all great. It was exactly as expected. Although this time around, it didn't really end on, on the high note. I, felt, I, I really felt for Patty, not to take anything away from Smolka, because what a fight. Did you watch that fight? Of course. I watched the whole card. It was such an entertaining fight. I really do. I really, I do mean it when I say it. Like a fight like that with the transitions on the ground and, 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 and Peter put it perfectly, like 
putting yourself in compromising positions to gain positions elsewhere. I mean, it's just so much fun to watch. It's really, to me, a lot more fun than a Rock'em Sock'em Robot type of fight, just a slugfest. I can appreciate both. I, but I you like very much enjoyed it. No, come on with that. Yeah. I, uh, I, I can appreciate both. Um, and th- this one was, you know, fun to watch for sure. So anyway, um, the walkout, the walkout, Ashling Daly. It was great. I didn't, I didn't really, you know what? I wish I, I guess the the accent in the song, and I don't know a lot of other Cranberry songs. Do you? No, just yeah. this one. They're not a one hit wonder though. I don't think so. I mean, I've I've heard of them past that, but this was the one I remember the music video on the roller coaster. Um, it was a beautiful moment. It really was. And uh, you can hear the people singing along, and she was talking about with her, her mental health issues and, you know, with, with the, the lyrics of the song. It was great. I, Dustin I'm, even mentioned it today. Yeah. I'm so happy that she got to have that moment because she really felt like the only one who couldn't do it, and she had to watch. She was in this house. She's probably depressed as hell last year, and everyone's winning. Uh, somewhat fitting in a weird way that she was the only SPG fighter to pick up a win on Saturday. Uh, Michael Venom Page, there's a lot here. But oh, yes. basically, uh, isn't it time uh, MVP was put up against some fighters on his own level? Yes. Jesus. The thought is that he, you know, Charlie Ontiveros um, was not a, a game opponent in, the, in He's James a lot of fun. opinion. He's a lot of fun to watch. But yes, maybe Brennan Ward, who fought on that card. Sure. And as an entertaining guy, I think that would be a nice step up for him, right? Well, I mean, it, it comes down to this. It, do we want to continue to see the highlight reel kind of dancing no, and showboating? It. I've seen it. Yeah. Well, you don't think so? I don't know. I, I kind of like it. I, <laughs> I'm not... How many uh, more times are we going to see it? It's the same thing every time. I've seen this movie. Yeah. MMA is different than boxing. Like in boxing, you know, you, you, you get like 20 or so fights and then all of a sudden you're, you know, now you're... You're getting the line. In MMA, like, we see it two or three times. All right, we've seen it. I want to see you get tested. And, and guess what? The, the, uh, the loss doesn't mean as much, I think, in MMA. Like, he I can lose in his next fight and then bounce back, and no one but will talk about it. What can happen is if, we, if he gets put on that stage and then, you know, the showboating and the dancing and the flash isn't there against tougher opponents, then, you, you know, it might lose, he might lose a little bit. Yeah, I know. But, like, is, is MVP really selling out arenas for Bellator? No, probably not. Um, and that division, I got to tell you, I mean, there's not a lot going on there right now for them. Yeah. So I think it's time for a step up, yeah. but um, put I'm it also th- okay. Put, you put, know. It, put it this way. I'm not, I'm not hating on what they've done up until this point, but I don't want to see more of now it. Now the next, the next move. You know? I'm okay with it. I'm okay with, uh, with them you know, building it up a little bit. But, you know, at some point, let's just take a little step up. Uh, yeah, and you know that actually makes me think like these things can happen fast. Uh, Carvalho is now Jeez. champion. You see that? Wow, what a kick! Yeah. Uh, John Jones, what are your thoughts on the reinstatement of John Jones, and how long do you expect it will be before there is an announcement made regarding his return fight? Well, it was obviously expected. Uh, it was you know it was time to do it. I've been a couple of weeks since uh, he had his uh, his plea hearing, and he was all set there. So yeah, they had to do it. Everyone. I mean, the big question was. Was he going to fight? And I think it was very clear from those Instagram videos that he was ready to resume his career. I think they're going to wait for New York. I mean, they don't have to announce anything yet. I don't know if Jan- is January too late in the game. I think, look, they have to wait at least till January to see what's going to go on in New York. Is it going to go up for a vote? If not, they're going to go the legal route. And I don't know if that's going to work out. Um, but 
April 23rd, regardless, sounds like a good time. I don't know if you can save him till 200 at this point. I feel like that's too far away. Is it not? It's in nine months. You know what? We sa- didn't we say the same thing, though, when they were building up Cormier Jones? Like, it's too far away. This loses. I think that the anticipation, no matter what, is going to be high. It's going to be good. So if John Jones doesn't fight until the end of next year, I think it's all gravy. Just getting him back is, is you know, is the treat here. Uh, fight-wise. And yeah. uh, I think the anticipation is going to build and build and build no matter what. And once it gets closer, oof. But gonna, if, it, but if New York gets done, it has to be New York. Absolutely. Forget about 200. And I think he would want the same thing. Does the punishment fit the crime for John Jones? John Jones has been known to have a substance abuse problem, crashes his car into a pregnant woman's vehicle, flees the scene, uh, only returning to grab loose money before fleeing again. and gets less than a year. Uh, is the UFC sending the right message? I guess let, let's phrase the question this way. Should the UFC have had their own punishment for John Jones outside of the legal punishment? Well, I mean, I think he was punished. He was suspended. So he had a fight taken away, UFC 187 fight. He had his belt taken away. As a result, he had sponsors taken away. They waited until the, the hearing was done. They say they did their own investigation. What more do you want? That's fair enough. And I think you, we go down a slippery slope if, you know, we... we punish somebody beyond what uh you know the court or whatever yeah. else is is deemed appropriate oh now, and, and by the way sorry to interrupt no go ahead uh, by the way uh let's say he fights in april and i doubt he fights before april it will have been almost a year and a half a year and a third since his last fight so this guy's not making a lot of money these days yeah what do you want to say no That's that was it, it. you were on to say that exact point that was it i was going to be like uh no uh <laughs> how many more mistakes can reebok handle I've heard the question been asked a few times. Should the UFC cancel the Reebok deal? I don't think that's obviously an option. Sure. Um, Is the deal here to stay, or could things change dramatically? How many more fails can happen before this deal is in serious jeopardy? So far, the deal has cost numerous fighters a lot of money, and Reebok themselves keep embarrassing themselves. What are your thoughts? Can things change, or do we have to wait to to see how things pan out? I think things will change. I think think they'll figure it out. But it it is an amazing stretch of... Of mishaps. Now, do you feel there was an overreaction to that oh. si- to that situation? I'm so happy you you asked that question. Which which situation? The uh, the t shirt. Yes, the t shirt. You want to recap it for? I people feel like you're who- setting me up here. Um, so, John Kavanaugh. I think he was the one that brought it to light. Maybe someone else, but he's the one that, you know, he's the most famous one who brought it to light. At least in my eyes, uh, there was a t shirt from Reebok, an Ireland t shirt that had. It had a map of Ireland on it, and uh, it excluded Northern Ireland. And it said, what did it say on it? Did it just say, like, Ireland? Just said Ireland underneath, yeah. That's it? It didn't say anything else? Uh, as far as I can remember, I think it just said Ireland. Like, uh, I think there was additional text, but in terms of defining the geography, it just said Ireland. Really? Let me, let me just... Uh, no, I, I think I, there I just... was additional text. I'm not remembering what it was off the top of my head, but um, geographically, it just said Ireland. Okay, so here it is. Uh, it said UFC Ireland map. T- it said Ireland on top and bottom UFC, which is like kind of a weird shirt to begin with. But anyway, um, so so he brings this to light and he says, well, you know, this is a big problem because the 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 Northern Ireland part of the map is is excluded. And John is uh, someone obviously proud of his heritage, but also dates someone from Belfast, which is in Northern Ireland. And he had he had a big problem with, as he put it. Uh, in his in his very well written uh, explanation on Twitter, 
he had a big problem with the tagline, show your territorial allegiance. The reason I was so annoyed by that t-shirt was because of the tagline, show your territorial allegiance. My girlfriend is from Belfast, a city that has experienced a lot of senseless killings on both sides. This type of rhetoric only serves to fuel negative emotions and bring out the worst in us. For the record, I'm not interested in political arguments. I'm more of a Carl Sagan type of person. We're all in this pale blue dot for a few short decades trying to find happiness. We are all one after all. I'm happy to see it's been removed from their site, and I'm sure future designs will be more thoughtful. Also, for my geographically challenged friends, Ireland refers to the entire island, which is made up of the Republic of Ireland and Northern Ireland. I'm happy to leave this behind now and get focused on another great weekend of UFC action. So that says it all. He wants it to be all-encompassing. He doesn't want any political messages, and who can blame him? Here's what, and he had every right, and I really, I thought he put it very succinctly and, and perfectly. But then spare me all these media members and fans, but more so the media members with this faux outrage over this T-shirt. Like, let's be real. You wouldn't have noticed this if it wasn't for his tweets. Come on. Let's stop, stop pretending like you're all up in arms and all offended about all this. All right. You know, let the thing pass. It's brought to light. It's been addressed. And let's move on. I mean, you can move on after the fact and say this is a series of mishaps, but come on. You know this. There are a lot of people out there who are acting like, you know, their mom was just slapped and spit in the face because of this, and they would not have noticed it had it not been brought to their attention. Do you agree with me? Of course. I mean, I'm not personally offended by it, as I'm not Irish, and it wouldn't have meant... Yeah, I wouldn't have recognized it. I don't know Irish geography in that way. Uh, And, you know, not being Irish, it didn't personally offend me. It didn't... You know, the, my my concern or, or issue with it was, you know, the lack of of research. You know, it, it was it was just lazy, I guess. And that that part is the part to me that um, people would be upset about. But you know, if I was Irish, I definitely have a different take on it. I think uh, from Northern Ireland or somebody, you know, one hundred percent. I'm not saying that anyone from Ireland, including jo- anyone, had had you know uh, any 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 right not to be upset that sure. they shouldn't have been offended. I mean. I agree with them 100%. It's a ridiculous t-shirt. It's silly. It's, it's, it's offensive. It's political. There, there's no place for that. I mean, at what they were thinking when they put that out there, it, it looked lazy. It's not even a nice shirt. Yeah. I mean, come on. There's nothing good you could say about that shirt. All I'm talking about, based off of your question, was what do you think of the reaction? I, I, I chuckled when I saw some people acting like this is, you know, this is a big deal, personal issue to them. It's not. So, you know, stop it with this faux outrage. Sure. That's all. But it was ridiculous, and I'm happy they rectified it. And when they're going to figure this out, I don't know. It just seems like one thing after the next. And I wish they could almost take a step back, breathe, come out with a line. And, and if you're working with a John Kavanaugh, if you're working with an SBG, run that stuff by them when you yeah. want to get all, you know, territorial. That's, that's a fair point. I see a lot of people saying that, you know, Reebok didn't know what they were stepping into with MMA. And... I think that that, you know, could or could not be the case. But in my opinion, this is more indicative of a Reebok thing than anything to do with MMA. Like, the fans 100%. are outspoken in MMA. This wouldn't but if fly this, anywhere yeah, else. Yeah, if this had been yeah. in, you know, the MLB or related to any other, you know, sports league, um, this, the people would have had the same reaction. So I don't, I don't know if this is particularly indicative of anything to do with MMA, um, more so than, you know, Reebok putting out a shirt. I, but as I said with, uh, when this deal was announced... Let's give it a year or so, because there's a lot that has been left to be desired here. And uh, I'd like to see the, the uniforms, the kits evolve, make them less uniform. Um, I'm not a huge fan of all the, 
the, the, the, the nationalistic stuff. I mean, there's a lot that can change. And uh, I'd like to think in seven years they'll, they'll figure it out. But thus far, you know, I think anyone, you know, anyone would agree it has not been a great debut for them in this sport. Yeah, I mean, you have to learn on the fly. It's going to be tough. And I, and I think, you know, it, it, things, will, things will look differently. Uh, the Athletic Commission and Nick Diaz has the NAC written up their findings yet and the punishment for Diaz so he can move forward in his appeal process. Any idea where that all stands? Uh, at last I heard they still not have done so. No, well, it's, uh, it's really in the hands now of his legal team, and he has a great team behind him, so we'll see what happens there as far as the appeal is concerned. There is another uh, hearing this Thursday, but uh, last I, I heard he wasn't on the docket, so this is their next appearance from that infamous one of September 15th in which his livelihood was taken away from him unjustly, uh, taken away five years. He was given a suspension for five years over a, a questionable, at best, drug failure or drug failures. So, you know, I doubt that they're going to address it, but it would be nice. What a great, what a great turn of events. What a nice way to end this depressing story if they come out and say, upon further review, we, we realized that we abused our power and uh, we didn't give him a right to defend himself and all this. And uh, we're going to change. We're going to throw this one out and start fresh. Wow. How amazing would that be? I mean, I think they'd curry pretty good favor with it. It seems like a good move um, rather than doubling down on it. But I guess we'll see how that goes. Last one from the website. Then you're going to tell a good story, right? Oh, yes, yes, yes. What did you make of the recent cuts with more to come? Looking more and more like there will be less shows next year. Why the decision to go with less shows and how will this affect Fox, wow. FS1, pay-per-view, and Fight Pass? What a leap that is. The uh, guy goes from cuts to less shows? There were quite a few cuts. I know, but I mean, there are also a lot of fighters who keep saying that they can't get a fight, right? You don't think, sure. like, you think like a, uh, who's, the guy, uh, who's the guy recently that was telling me? Um, oh, Benavidez. Benavidez was saying that, you know, he... he, he he fights twice a week, uh, excuse me, twice a year, and uh, he can't get a fight. You don't think he wants to fight three, four times a year? Yep. So I don't know if all these cuts, you know, equals less shows. I don't think that there are any surprising ones or egregious ones. The one that I found to be uh, questionable was uh, Eddie Gordon last fought in June, uh, announced that he was moving down to 170, and then he got cut in October. And who knows what he could have done between June and October. So, um you know, the timing, of course, they have to do, they have to clear the books, whatever they have to do, when they have to do it. But that one, I was a little bit surprised by, just because it had been so long since he had last fought and he was, you know, changing his, his, his weight class and all that stuff. But none of them really jumped out at me. How about you? Uh, so, uh, Pulele, but that was a retirement. Yeah. So. Maybe that helped him retire. Sure. But otherwise? Yeah, I mean, no, nothing, like, too shocking. Yeah. Um, I'm fortunate we'll see. to see Marcus Brimage go, yes. though. I didn't get a chance to talk about it next week, but you mentioned it, that uh, that interview that you did with him yes. uh, that we played for Inside the Vault really you know, spurred me to, to If it wasn't for that interview, you're probably not there, yeah, right? Yeah, Marcus, Mar I owe it to Marcus Brimage and you. It was amazing. I wish I could go back in time and replay that, that whole thing, sitting there as you're watching this interview and saying, you know what? This is where I need to be in life. Yeah. Um, it, it very much was that. So my computer broke. Uh, my my son cracked my screen, and uh, I went to this um, I, I went to this uh, computer store in Williamsburg called Mikey's Hookup. By the way, great people over there. I give them two thumbs up. They do great work, and they didn't pay me to say that. And and I'm standing there in the store, 
and a guy walks in holding a dog like a baby. Dog is like this big, holding it in his arms. And he puts the dog on the table. My computer case is there, and the dog starts walking. And I don't remember the dog's name, but let's just call it Minnie. Uh, and he's like, oh, Minnie, uh, don't walk on Ariel's computer. And I look up, I was like, Ariel's computer? How do you know my, you know, who's this guy? How do you know my name? I start thinking for a second, and I start putting two, to two, two and two together. And I say to him, are you Doug Crosby? And he said, yes, I am. What? <laughs> and I've never seen Doug Crosby in person. Uh, in fact, I don't even know if I've ever Googled him. I don't even know what he looks like. And uh, as you may know, uh, Chuck Mindenhall wrote a feature story on him, hashtag long form, uh, not that <laughs> long ago. And so the timing was very interesting. Uh, so he comes in there. Uh, he, he's, uh, he's a ball of energy. And I'm not even quite sure what he wanted to do. I think he was asking them to put music on his iPod shuffle. I kid you not. Yikes. Uh, <laughs> so I, get, I, 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 I pass off my computer, and then we, we go outside, and uh, we proceed to have this hour-long conversation, which I will not get into too much. But it's, uh, he's standing up against his car, still holding his dog now back uh, in, its hands, in his hands. And uh, it was a fascinating conversation. Um, it, it, uh, it went through some ups and some downs. Um, we, I think we ended it on a good note. Uh, I think he, he took exception with some things that have been said on this show. Uh, I think for the most part, he liked Chuck's article, but it was just, I just couldn't believe that. And apparently he worked just a couple of blocks away from there. That's where his office is. So it was just, I just couldn't believe that I, that I ran into him, especially a week after or two weeks after that story came out. And he was every bit as colorful, unique, eccentric. Yes, as, uh, as you would expect him to be. I, I will say, uh, at times, it, it got a little testy, but in the end, we, uh, we figured things out. Just another day in the life. Now, was the assistant there? Okay, so uh, the assistant. Uh, he, he, uh, <laughs> he, he maintains that the assistant is a very real person. Didn't we get this verified by Chuck? I think in the piece yeah, he says... but she was not there. Uh, and did you go to a bathhouse? I did not go to a bathhouse, no. Mm, I think you missed out. Seems like Chuck had a good time there. Um, wow. I didn't have the pleasure. You did not tell me this, this uh, story before the show. I'm, I'm no, and by the way, I'm giving you like literally 2% of the story. <laughs> it's, it's really a lot more involved, and it, doesn't, it probably doesn't sound, in fairness, as exciting as it was when it was happening, but take my word for it. It was, uh, it was a very interesting one hour in my life last week. Okay. Uh, moving on to Twitter questions. Yes. Turning down a late replacement fight, uh, good or bad call? And then they say, this is definitely bad for the UFC's business. But is it a good or bad call? Well, I, I guess it depends on who you are, you know, and, and, and what you're trying to do. I think if you're in the main event and you fought as many times as Dustin Poirier has fought, I don't think it's a good or bad call. I mean, it's just the call that you need to make that makes the most sense for you. If you're a guy who's fighting, you know, in his debut and uh, you're looking to get in, you know, good favor with them, then, yeah, I mean, I, I, I can understand why you would take that fight. Everyone's in a different spot on a different journey with different resumes, have accomplished different things. I don't think it's fair for any of us to criticize a professional athlete with everything on the line, like Dustin Poirier, who has shown up time and again, who is no B-I-T-C-H, uh, and, and question his heart. This is a guy who signed up to fight in a cage in front of thousands of people 
in his opponent's home country and was there. He was ready to go. He was like three days away. And now we're going to you know, question his heart and his motives and his warrior spirit because he turned down a completely different other fight. What kind of bizarre world do we live in here? What is this sport? Is it even a sport if that's the case? And let's be clear, it's a vocal minority doing it. As he said a couple of times now, the UFC, Dana White, they all said to him, feel no pressure. And I'm, I'm very happy. That's, that's a sign of the times as well. Things have changed and that's great. So who cares what the media or fellow fighters or, or uh, uh, other fans say on Twitter? It's, it's, it's what he feels, what his team feels. And, you know, if the UFC is on board with that, then it's a no-brainer. Well, you know, outside of just the obvious ridiculousness of questioning, you know, Dustin Poirier um, as a fighter and, and his, you know, will and all that stuff, um, what would have been the upside? I don't see an argument. I haven't been, you know, presented an argument that makes sense logically, a reason for him to take that fight. I mean, look, if he needed the money, you know. But I, if he needed the money, he would have taken the fight. So that, that one's out. Yeah. So what are you saying? I'm saying that there is no reason for him to have taken that fight. Sure. There's not a good argument for it. Um, it does him no favors to face somebody who is, you know, regarded uh, in this circumstance, rankings-wise, lower than the opponent he was originally going to face um, on short notice. And for a win, that likely wouldn't have given him that much, uh, you know, ad- ad- advancement in the rankings. It doesn't. It just. It doesn't make sense. There's not an argument I could. I could hear uh, that would make sense for him to have taken that fight, unless he needed the money. But he turned it down, so he doesn't need that money. The co-main event thing is weird as well. Yeah, that is a little weird. It's, Why does he get bumped down? Yeah, if you wanted to be, yeah, it, you know, if that would have been the deciding factor, that could have been, you know, easily avoided. Just go to the main event. Okay, Rory let slip at a Q and A. Oh yes, uh, that he has talked to GSP about returning. And it would be for super fights like you at UFC 200, GSP versus Anderson Silva next July. What do you think? Was this a two-part question? That was it. What just happened question. there? Switched it two-parter. Wow, that's a first. Uh, same guy. Yeah. Oh. Um, I don't know. What do you think? <laughs> uh, Are you into this fight? I, I would love to see it. that fight. Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. At what weight? Uh. Uh, let's say at this point, probably 185, right? Why make GSP, although GSP might want Anderson to come down if he could still reliably make 170. Um, I would still love to see this fight. For sure, I'd love to see this fight. Nah, I don't know. Now, there's, there's, you know, circumstances outside. Like, do I want, do I think that GSP needs to come back or should come back or anything like that? I don't. Uh, I think his legacy is set. I think Anderson Silva's legacy is set. I don't think they need this fight. Um, but if they told me both these guys are for sure coming back uh, and both of them are going to fight each other, uh, I would be super, super excited to see it. It does feel more and more like we're, we're gearing up for a return. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if Anderson fights on the Kane Verdum card. I and like that. I, and that will be earlier. And UFC 200, obviously. I don't know. It doesn't get me excited. The, si- the signs seem to be pointing to GSP coming back, though. Faraz seems sure. like he's saying it. Rory seems like he's saying it. So, yeah. Final question. Have you guys ever considered bringing back the Rick's Picks Challenge? That was fun. The answer is yes. Yes. Where is it? I mm. keep asking you for it. Yeah, it's tough. Um, excuses. Hashtag excuses. It's tough, but 
you will see something soon. What? I will what put are we to, see? I will put together I will put together a plan for what plan? For Rick's picks. Make your damn picks. What do you need a plan for? No, 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 no. Not not my picks. Oh. He's interested in the tournament, the the challenge the that thing. we did, the whole shebang. It has been a while since since we had one of those, Yes, right? it may make sense to bring this back. So Same one? No, it might be slightly different. What a wild um, time that was. Remember that? Was, I don't <laughs> even know how we even put that together. You did most of the work. Most? All? Well, yes. I, p- I picked the people. Didn't I pick the people? I don't think so. That took some work. Yeah, I remember the tweets. You picked the people? That wouldn't make any sense. Um, I made the matchups. I remember that. Yeah, that was fun though. It, it was it was, great. it was uh it was an exciting time, a strenuous time. Uh really Why re- strenuous? Well, because remember the first time I had that I had it in the bag with Gilbert Melendez. Oh yeah. And uh Boy, did you the judges the judges really uh oh, yeah, you, didn't help me out on that. You went for the Hail Mary. I went for a Hail Mary and, and I and I saw it in his hands and then they rolled it an incomplete catch. Um but then I hit it eventually. And uh Did you? Yeah, remember well, that? Oh, I was John think, Jones. Ben I was Avides. thinking about the uh, the Jason Hyde debacle. <laughs> <laughs> what was that? Who did he fight? Eric Silva. Gosh, I had so much faith in Jason Hyde. I still do. By the way, if if Jason Hyde fought Eric Silva tomorrow, I'd pick Jason Hyde. Would you really? I would. You wouldn't. I feel uh, like I feel like the the Eric Silva bandwagon has. I always thought that. Emptied. That's why I made that pick. It was now. Should I have put everything on it? No. But I really wanted to to go for broke on it, and uh, it seemed like a good spot to push all in. But uh, in hindsight, not not so great. But we'll do something. Rick's picks may return. May now. Now you say May. I have to. You know, it it takes it, a lot it of time. It felt more definitive a it minute ago. A, okay, it's coming back. Okay, so, in some form. Go. Okay. Oh, that's it. That's it. That's it. Um. Chanchiante, you put out a tweet. What kind of English is this? <laughs> uh, and best replies got into the tournament. Gray Maynard screwed me. Notice he didn't respond to my criticisms earlier, but we don't have time for that anymore. <laughs> we have reached our end. Uh, that's it. Thank you, Mr. New York Rick. Any shows coming up this weekend? No, I think it's a pretty uh, quiet weekend, right? It's uh, Halloween. What are yes. you dressing up as? Nothing. Nothing? Oh, anniversary. That's, what, that's what's this week. What anniversary? You just got married. Rumble in the Jungle. Oh, that? I thought it was like the two week <laughs> of my, of my wedding. wedding. That's Wait, wait. You're dressing up as one of those guys? No, but I'm wearing the shirt right now. I don't believe you that you're not going out for Halloween. I, I really, I, have n- I can't remember the last time I wore a costume. I don't believe you. Really? I'm trying to think. What was the last thing I did? You know what I did? Uh, in, back in high school, I, put, I wore a Rick Brunson jersey and went as Rick Brunson. Rick Brunson. Rick Brunson. Of the New York Knicks. New York Knicks fame. They even sold Rick Brunson jerseys back then? I had to custom it. Wow. And why Rick Brunson? Because your name is Rick? Because he was such a uh, a loved bench warmer that I I wanted to go as that. That's bizarre. You know, everybody's wearing, you know, Michael Jordan and all these people. I thought Rick Brunson really encapsulated my... uh, That's your last Halloween outfit? It was, yeah. That's bizarre. Uh, he uh, He is an NBA coach now. No, not NBA. College coach. Yeah. Or is he an assistant coach? He's something. No, I think he's coaching somewhere else, not And NBA. I think his son is a player as well. Um, so yeah, she, that was so basically you're not doing anything. Wait, what are you, what's your move? Well, I have kids. So and what all, are they going as? What, what's uh, the Halloween I don't plan? Know, I don't know if I could, uh, if I can link that. No, uh, Ninja Turtles. My son is very into the, oh, the Ninja Turtles these days. I like that. He's starting to evolve. His interests are starting to get a little more and more mature, so it's interesting to see. 
Um, but uh, no, the, the, these people, uh, I was talking to Mark Ramundi and, uh, I think Luke Thomas. Yeah. Luke, when we were eating and they, they're talking about their outfits and making outfits and wait, like, what Luke Thomas is into this Halloween thing. Look, I can't see that. It was somewhat off the record, the conversation, but yes, believe it or not, it appears as though he is. Uh, and look, I'm not going to pass judgment, but, uh, it has been a long time since I planned out my Halloween costume, if any costume. Wait a minute. So I'm getting all this flack and now you're like, oh, I, it's been a long time too for you. I don't even know if I ever did. I mean, yeah, maybe in of the course third grade. Did. I mean, I was that, never into that I always photo felt that like they showed on, on the Christian Leitner doc- that was, documentary. That was, that was looked a like day you were dressing, dressing That was a day Halloween. in the life, dog. That was me on the mean streets of Montreal. That was a day in the life representing <laughs> the struggle. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> oh, right. boy. All well, right. Happy let's... Halloween to you and everyone else out there. Uh, ha- have a safe one and uh, don't do anything I wouldn't do. Hit my music, everyone. All right. Another fun show in the books. Thank you for the pick-me-up. What a day it has been. For the record, I just want to say, I have not talked to Vitor, and no hard feelings. You know, like I said, if they would have said back on Wednesday of last week, hey, we don't want to talk about this. If you're planning on talking about this, maybe we should hold off. That's happened before. And I say, yeah, it's your prerogative. But two hours before the interview, after it's already been promoted, is is kind of what, you know, gets under my skin a little bit. So, Water Under the Bridge, a great show. All's well that ends well. Any other cliche you want to use, happy that it all worked out. Thank you very much to Pete Carroll. Great name, Pete Carroll. For his time today. Great work as always. Thank you very much to Malki Kawa. Looking forward to the return of Johnny Bones. Thank you very much to Alexander Gustafson. Looking forward to his return in due time as well. Great stuff as always from Dustin Poirier. Appreciate his time. Tremendous stuff from Ashley Daly. I'll take that interview every single week. Times 10. Congratulations to her. Uh, best of luck to Patrick Cummins. November 7th versus Glover Teixeira. What an interesting fight that is. And tremendous work, as always, by Big Ben McRothwell. Appreciate his time as well. Back next week. If you missed anything, check it out. iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, MAFight.com, all that good stuff. Until they say peace, I'm out of here.